Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Meanwhile, story in the mirror this morning um, has a bit of a lash at Met Aaron's forecasters, um, and they actually uh, detail some of the communication back and forth to the Met Office of late. Irate members of the public blasting Met Aaron over their absolutely rubbish weather forecasting, particularly over the summer. Like one person said, What a load of nonsense, you shower of buffoons predicted for the east coast of Ireland. For years, you lot are getting away with nonsense talk. Sack the staff, buy a few robots, BBC weather for me. It's a beautiful late night here. Snap out of it, clowns. Imagine getting an email like that to work, criticising your uh, your forecasting. You know, the big problem, of course, with Ireland is we're an island and the weather on the east coast is different to the weather on the south coast and that can be different to the west coast and stuff like that. So regional forecasting is the way to go. I mean, I look at Aaron, but I also look at other weather forecasts as well uh, to get a better, more concise forecast for Cork City and County and maybe a bit of Munster because we're not interested in the weather on the east coast. We're not even interested in the weather up around Galway where Donegal or Mayo. Not really, anyway. Paper-wise, this morning, um, we have the go-ahead for booster jabs. I mean, I'd, I'd laugh if I, you know, I don't know whether to laugh or to cry when you hear about this. I mean, why do you even need a go-ahead? I mean, if you're involved in a vaccination prog- program, you just get on with it. Why do you have to get clearance and, you know, and all of these meetings, whether it's NEFED or the Cabinet and subcommittees, they just take so long to make decisions that they're going to make anyway. So booster jabs, the go-ahead. Of course they got the go-ahead, because if you have vaccines, you're going to need boosters. Just get on with it. Now is the winter of our discount test. <laughs> I love that. It's a play on words with regards to Shakespeare. It's the front of the sun today, bringing subsidized antigen testing, uh, which means you'll have to pay for it, but maybe a little bit less if you can get it, that is because there's a shortage of boxes anyway. And, of course, the booster rollout to the over 50s. Don't even get me started. Uh, We're looking at uh, lots of different predictions from the mild to the severe to the dire. But the health service is at risk of being overrun with the fourth COVID wave, as if you're counting, with Neffet warning that up to 500 people might need ICU beds if cases continue to spiral. Uh, and we're certainly looking at early December now, they're saying, for the peak of this wave. So 50 cents is the story making this morning's mirror. If you can't follow that, it's because you got it. The booster is being rolled out to 50s, um, as in 50s, uh, the decade. Um, cabinet to sign off on more use of passes and testing. And at some stage today, I suppose, uh, yet another meeting to sign off on the need of vaccine passes for gyms, hairdressers and barbers. And the subcommittee, (laughs) committees and subcommittees, uh, would see the worst case scenario uh, could be 12,000 positive cases a day. Now, hold tough on that because you just don't know. Remember they were saying that back in March of last year. It was last year, wasn't it? It wasn't the year before, no? But the most um, optimistic scenario would be 5,000 cases a day at the peak, and that would be in the next two to three weeks. So we'll have to wait and see. And bear in mind that that 5,000 or 10,000 or 12,000 a day um, will go next nor near a hospital nor an ICU. It will be just a small percentage of them. So the cases could fill half of the ICU beds in the next two weeks, says the Irish Independent. But we're still nowhere near any kind of numbers or pressure that we were uh, last January and February. Now, I accept that they say that they're doing more, um, you know, uh, surgeries and more consultations and more appointments in hospital settings now than they were last January and February. So I appreciate that. Do you know Margaret Buttermer, uh, the uh, woman from uh, Bandon? She now 
has had seven convictions for not wearing masks. The latest one before the courts had to do with her not wearing a mask again in the Super Value Shopping Centre in October of last year. So she was before the courts again yesterday and it's a story that makes the echo. But um, if you if you thought you were being encouraged to come into the city, think again. Front page in this morning's Echo says that parking charges are set to rise in the city. Our councillors all sat down last night and had their annual budget meeting and decided, you know, how to spend it or how to raise it. And they thought one good way to do it would be to put up parking prices in the city. Uh, So I think now at this stage, you could almost say that uh, the public car parks are as dear, if not dearer, than the private ones. Um, The charge for Paul Paul Street car park will go from €2.30 to €2.70 an hour, uh, while the charge for the North Main Street car park will go from one seventy to two thirty. That's a huge jump, uh, $0.60. an hour jump at the North Main Street uh, and 40 cent jump at Paul Street. Now, the cost of on-street parking as well, which would be, I guess, your parking disc and possibly Park Magic. I don't know. So your disc will go from 2 to 250. I mean, they are astronomical increases. Uh, and as if the city wasn't being hit and hurt bad enough without putting up the cost of parking and car parks. But there you have it nonetheless. If that wasn't bad enough, house prices are going up by two grand a month, according to the Mail today. And Mick Barry was protesting yesterday up around Sutton's buildings and Roach's buildings. It's a story from the Echo, uh, something that we dealt with in the past. The amount of vacant and the turnaround time of Cork City and County Council properties. It's just not good enough. And Mick Barry in the Echo says that the average turnaround time for both local authorities now is a year or more. And a lot of the time, he says, that the amount of work that's need done on houses and homes is only a small bit of work. Uh, and it wouldn't be an impossible job to do it an awful lot faster. So that's an interesting one. The upside to uh, maybe commerce on Lee side is that um, sports director opening on the open, upper floor of uh, the former Debenhams store at Matham Point Shopping Centre. Uh, I know it, it was a sad end for Debenhams, but the property or the square footage down there is going to be used by sports director. And the examiner this morning says there was um, uh, a proposal that was rejected by Cork City Council to open another off-license on College Road near UCC. So that was knocked back and rejected by the council because they felt it would lead to an increase and an an exacerbation of noise, litter and general disturbance in the area. So no new off-license, much to the... uh, uh, annoyance, I suppose, or disappointment of um, students. And then there's a pop-up screen being put into the Marina Market. It's a lovely store in the Echo today, this side of Christmas. The company is called the Pop-Up Movie Club. Uh, a special pop-up movie screening is set for the Marina Market this Christmas time, which is lovely to hear. The more festive things we can get on Lee side, the better. But a story that we dealt with in the past is Fitzpatrick's food store in Glanton. They spent three million revamping uh, the the shop and can't get staff. It's a story that makes the examiner today with Kerry O'Neill, the owner, uh, saying that they advertise and they advertise and they advertise, but they just can't get staff. So they've had to cut back opening hours and they've had to close the deli at specific times because of shortage of staff. And she says that 52% of respondents, um, according to Irish Jobs Posting, uh, 52% of respondents uh, were not open to searching for a new job at the moment and 27 were only passively searching. And a lot said one of the reasons was is that they were just taking a break taking a break. 
So I wonder how prevalent that is with regards to businesses and retail on Leaside where they just can't find staff this side of Christmas. A shocking story of a Garda detective suspended after he failed a booze and cocaine test while driving uh, his unmarked Garda car. Apparently he flipped it at the weekend. That's the front page in the Star today. And another motoring story, um, and I should have mentioned this when talking about house prices going up, is that uh, the profits for motor insurers soaring because claims have collapsed now and the amount of payouts through claims has dropped because of the new system they're using. It means that um, insurance companies are making more money than ever. Um, I don't know whether they're passing it on to customers and premiums. In my case, they haven't or anyone that I know. Maybe you got a cheaper insurance deal. I don't know. There's a lot of other stories related then to things happening this side of Christmas and the things that people are buying. And I will come back to those. But just one that's of interest. Um, On Christmas Day, apparently, the average adult... Bear in mind, they say the adults, not the sons and daughters in the home, but the average adult spends nearly an hour cleaning their homes on Christmas Day. Now, of course, the present opening on Christmas morning and all of the unwrapping of the gifts leads to an unmerciful mess. So I don't know, is that the hour they're talking about? Or is it that you spend an hour cleaning cleaning the house because somebody's going to come round and judge your house as being dirty or messy? I don't know. But about half of the people who go visiting other people's houses at Christmas time, judge their homes or criticize their homes, which is, I don't know, is that very fair? I mean, why don't they say that they admire other people's homes? Why would you be judgmental? Maybe that's the world we live in. But the top 10 messes that people judge, apparently, in other people's houses or homes are dirty toilets, dirty kitchens, overflowing bins. Who looks in the bins anyway? In fairness, messy bathrooms, a dirty shower, I mean, you don't go and use the loo and check somebody's shower tray, surely be to God. General clutter, a sticky floor when you walk upon it, mess on the sides and the surfaces, dirty dishes and the smell of pets. They're the top 10 hates that people judge by all accounts. I wonder are you included in any or all of those. Lines open one 850 The Neil Prenderville Show. Okay, lots of texts from yesterday's conversations on air and I will come to those and lots more besides. All of the papers today are talking about um, our ever-increasing um, likeness for cocaine. Uh, and when you move from cocaine then, you move to um, crack cocaine, something that we only for many, many years heard about in America, but it's here now. And I was dealing with this last week when I was talking with a young lad who uh, has a 7,500 euro drug debt to dealers. And they've taken his social welfare cards and they've taken his dole card and they take all of his bank account details and they take money out of his bank account as well for his part-time job to repay the 7,500 grand debt. And I asked him at the time, you know, when did you start uh, taking cocaine? And he said, I think he said he was 14 years old, a family member died, and it was at the funeral, after the funeral, that he had the first line of cocaine. And it was mentioning on the air, I think it was probably on Friday, that kids now as young as 13 uh, are now taking cocaine. What's happening a lot of the time is that they would have been taking cannabis and weed and smoking it and what have you, and then their dealer would give them uh, a little baggie of cocaine to try it. The idea is to, uh, you know, to upsell them from cannabis and weed to cocaine, and then they're off and running. And we know how the publicans feel about the use of cocaine in in public houses and in the toilets there. And the guards, of course, are front and centre on this. They're saying uh, if there's a party going on, years ago people would get a bag of cans, but the guards will tell you now it's a gram of cocaine with an awful lot of people. It's kind of normalised use now. And um, the volume of cocaine and heroin here on uh, in Ireland, and indeed even on Leaside, 
has doubled or maybe even trebled in the last couple of years and it's just a scourge and you see the result of it with regards to heroin on our streets but you won't really see that uh, kind of uh, damage um, with regards to cocaine because people from all walks of life uh, are taking and using but by and large um, you know unnoticed um, but with regards to young people I want to talk to Alan if I could Alan good morning Hello. Thanks for taking the call, pal. Um, I, I imagine you can agree and relate to a lot of what I've just said, including the lad I was talking to last week, who at 14 had his first line of cocaine uh, at a funeral. What was, what was your own backstory? You're 25 now, but it goes back to when you were 14, was it? Yeah, yeah it goes back to when I'm 14, Neil. Um, for me, it would have started out with things like uh, alcohol and cannabis, but it wasn't long until it progressed to cocaine. And, and how did that happen? If you started, as the fellow says, drinking a ba- you know, sharing a bag of cans or... Uh, well, sp- like I said a minute ago there, Alan, um, or sorry, Neil, like you said there a minute ago now, it was just so, uh, something simple like you're going to a party, you said usually it'd be a bag of cans. It always starts with one person having a bag of coke and it just takes that one person to hop you a little bit. And to be honest with you, in, in, the Irish, in Irish society today, if it's there in front of you, you do it out of curiosity. Were you drunk at the time? I was, yep. I yeah. was under the influence. Yeah, and yeah. that, of course, your inhibitions are gone then. You think, ah, sure, I'll try it. What harm? Give it a go. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. And w- what happened after that? I mean, like, because you clearly wouldn't develop an addiction after one line of cocaine, surely. No, no, not after one line. But what happens is, you see, you think you have a grasp on this. Like, you think you can do this and get away with it. And that'll only happen for a certain amount of time for someone like me or like or an addict in recovery at the moment. When you're an addict in active addiction, you slowly tip away. You slowly tip away at it. Okay, so this would have been fourteen, fifteen. This would have been ten, maybe eleven years ago when you would have yeah. been in secondary school, right? What 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 year were you? I was in second year, just coming up to the end of second year. Okay, and did any of your other mates in second year know that you were using, or were they using as well in second year? Oh yeah, yeah, of course, one hundred percent they were, and it wasn't a whole lot of them. What I, what exactly happened there now was Neil was I would have started using the orders would have heard about it, and they would have got curious and done it themselves. That's exactly how it would happen. Okay, first. okay, but like, how does a fourteen-year-old in second year afford a cocaine habit? At first, you don't you don't uh, develop the habits. You just you, when you're offered it for free and people are around you, you're going to take it. You see, and after a while, then like a few years down the line, what happened to me was I would have had to end up dealing, would have had to ended up running with like be a runner by running with bags, and just trying to cover debts. Like you see, you're given you're given free stuff for it, like. Okay, just so, talk a little bit about that. Your dealer then would have been a local somewhere. He would have been, or she would have been, kind of like a middleman in the chain. There'd be lots involved, yeah, wouldn't yeah. there, right up to the top. So they'd have given it to you for nothing, and then you might have bought a little bit, and then they might have said, you know, we can get you more if you, if you, if you start dealing yourself. Did you have to find your own customers? Um, at first, I didn't have to find my own customers. It was, it was basically, you go meet this person, you go meet that person. What would you get? Person. Is it a text? Does it go meet this guy? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Because they won't do it because they don't want the risk of being caught by the cops, right? No, they don't, no. no. Okay, okay. Uh, so, and then you would go to all sorts of different people, all walks of life, is it? Yeah, exactly. Could be, could be any OBC. Could have been people 10 years older than me, whether it be in the building trade, whether, whether it be some lads as well, whether in the solicitor trade, like whichever, whichever they were, like 
wouldn't be often you'd meet I, around my area where I come from in Tipperary that you meet them in the solicitor trade but I have met a couple Would you meet them at their solicitor's office or where would that happen? No, no, no they just pull up alongside pull up alongside me in their jeep and you just give it into them they give you out the money and that's it you walk away Okay, and that would be you'd have regular customers then on an ongoing basis Yes, yes, okay. yes okay. Very, very, very dangerous obviously a lot of these people that you're meeting yeah, they think you're they're your friend and all this kind of crap. Not one of them, not any of them are your friend at all, Neil. They're customers. Yes, exactly. They're yeah. customers, yeah. and that's the way we see them as. But they don't see them as that all the time. They almost want to engage you in conversation. You think that they'd want to get the bag and leg it fast, wouldn't you? Rather than hanging around chatting. Yeah, 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 you would. But you see, like I heard you saying a few minutes ago before I went on to the college, Neil, that. Uh, Cocaine is very normalised now in the country, and people almost socialise over the over the idea of it. That's what happens, and it's happening. It's ha- happening at a younger and a younger age now. Like I seen on the paper there uh, yesterday, I was in the shop there in, in Cork, and um, it said that thir- uh, thirteen year olds were even taking cocaine. I That's go right. younger than I say twelve now. I suppose they they want to have the chats with you because they think it is a totally normal thing to do. You know. Like buying a scratch card or doing the lottery or whatever. When you when you were, when you became a mule, um, was that did that mean that you were delivering bigger quantities then? Not a, um, for me. When you're at such a young age, I wouldn't call myself like a mule. Just I would have been more or less a runner boy. What I would have been doing is delivering anything from a quarter an ounce to an ounce, maybe two at the most. Okay. And okay. And you were using all of the time, of course, and going oh, along. Oh, of course, yes, yes. Yeah. And cocaine was only the start, but it would have progressed onto harder drugs over the years. Then, cocaine was just the tip of the iceberg. But it's one of the most addic- uh, It's one of the most hardest addictions to kick because it's all in your it's all in your head when you're trying to kick it. So, what did you move from cocaine to benzodiazepines? I think was it. Did you? Yeah, you use heroin. Benzos, yep. Yeah, well, I ended up using heroin uh, the last year, so I would have been using opiates for a few years. But um, would have started began using cream of the crop heroin last year. And how did you get to a position where you would have gone from, say, cocaine to benzos to heroin? Had, had your inhibitions completely disappeared to the likes of smoking heroin? You thought, like, exactly. what, what part of you thought that was a good idea? Um, to be honest, when you're under, when you're high. Anything is a good idea, Neil. Okay. Anything is a good idea. You're up to do anything, no matter what it is. Not out of the question. Okay, okay. So, so you don't mind me going through, just recapping on that. So from cannabis to cocaine to benzodiazepines to smoking heroin and also an addiction to cough bottles. Yeah, cough bottles, bottles of Codinex and um, would have been using Norfen Plus for a few years. You'd Norfen Plus boxes of those and COVID. I had to go, uh, you see, with me, Neil, I had to go from one chemist to the next, to the next, sometimes being refused. And if I wasn't refused, I'd still go to another chemist to pick up another cough bottle, maybe too. Plus my, plus my benzo prescription after my doctor also. And would you, would you, would you just drink the entire cough bottle? Oh yeah, yeah, no problem. And then you got to get another one and another one. So this was taking up your entire day, was it? Your entire life? You see, drugs were just... Like using was my routine. I had no life. I had no nothing. I'm only starting to, I'm only starting to live my life now at the moment. Good man. Yeah. yeah.
Yeah, but the, the, but the lead up to that um, meant that you ca- did you get through secondary school? I mean, did you do your exams? Get a job? I done, I done my junior certs. I would have done a fairly good junior cert. I got four A's, two B's, and two C's, and I done all honors. And um, then my leaving certs, I managed to fail it. Good God! Spectacularly in the space of two years, it's craziness. Had you just lost all interest? Was it? Yeah, that's exactly what happened, Neil. I would have lost all interest because the only thing that was on my mind when I was in my... I remember being in my leaving cert, sitting in every exam. I was out of every exam after a half an hour because I couldn't wait to get on for a, for a joint of weed and a line of coke. Because you did a spectacular junior cert. You potentially could have done an incredible leaving cert. I could have. I could have if I had to study. Studying wasn't even up there on my up there on my on my daily routine. And your folks pick up on any of this? Um, not for the first. I'd say maybe year, maybe two years. They wouldn't have. You see, for, for me, with my parents, for my parent anyway, that um, she didn't mind me having a drink, like because as long as I was around her having a drink. But um. Of course, you didn't know what else you were doing. Of course, you're saying, yeah. No, that's not no. no so what no. was so what so what was rock bottom? For me, yeah, rock bottom. And it was uh, towards the end of my using when I started isolating myself in my room on thousands of euro, and ended up getting in fights. I got my I got my ankles stamped on last year. I got my knuckles broke. Um, I also like stupid little things as well thinking there's cars behind me to lean back on them falling onto the ground breaking bones like for, it's just it's pure insanity Neil to be honest with you okay so some of them were, were accidents that happened but others were um, dealers coming to the door yeah, uh, yeah. they broke yeah, your knuckles I think dealers did they break your elbow as well yeah they stamped on yeah. you looking for money yeah. wasn't it yeah I couldn't. I couldn't live in peace, to be honest with you, Neil. It was no. Li- it was no life to be living anyway. Okay. And did you run up a substantial debt? Yeah, I would have. Well, um, once I would have ran up about. I'd say the highest I got to, which was four thousand euro. Okay. Last week, I had a chap on the air. You know, a yeah. little, just a little bit younger than you. Seven and a half grand was his debt, and they're they're saying. I was reading this morning that they're saying people, parents, and even grandparents are cashing in their pension plans to pay off dealers. Um, yeah, that's what, they do. that's what they do. They'll accept any form of payment at the moment. Mothers and fathers uh, bailing out sons and daughters as well, I suppose. My mother would have done the same thing with me, Neil. Um, the difference with me was uh, sometimes my de- the dealers would, like like the man said last week, would have had to take my dole card, to take my bank card, uh, collect money out of my bank account every week, or collect my dole for, or collect my dole, my social welfare for me every week. And I wouldn't see a penny of it. It'd be just going all to them. Or then, if it was, in, if the family was involved, my my mother or whoever else is in the family would uh, subsidise the bill for me. They paid the bill for me, and then there's me to paying back my family. Like it's just a vicious cycle. So, for family members to be paying back the drug debt, they must have been threatened as well, were they? Yes. Well, yes what would yes. a dealer threaten with? It's more or less uh, threatened verbally. Sometimes, uh, a lot of the time, it's verbal. But if uh, you owe a substantial amount of money, in my eyes, anyway, anything over five grand, you will expect them at the door, and there won't be just one of them, Neil. So the, the threat is violence, is it, to break bones or yes, burn you out? Or Yep, that's 100% right. Okay, okay. Because a lot of time when we hear of these, 
we hear of these shootings or we hear of stabbings or un, what we think are unprovoked attacks or uh, issues going on around people's homes and stuff. I often wonder how many of them are drug related, you know? I'd say at least, I'm going to take a wild guess here and say about 85% of them uh, yeah, are drug related. I don't know how many, but imagine that some of them are at least. So when did, like, did you manage to clear that drug debt? Um, yes, well, my family managed to clear it for me. That was last year. I had that four grand debt before I went into treatment. This year, I had uh, I still had a one thousand euro debt, which my family actually paid off again. And now I still owe my family a thousand euros to this day. Thank God and you had family around you to help, yeah. Yeah, exactly. My family, oh, they always stood by me as uh, my addiction. And I suppose now that I'm doing good and I'm going to be working now after Christmas and everything, like. I can actually look forward to paying my family back. I'm uh, good having a bit of normality and sobriety. So did you go through brewery then? Yeah, brewery in County Limerick. You stayed there 20 weeks? Yeah, I done for, yeah 20 did you weeks. Move yeah. To, did you move to halfway after that or, or what happened? I'm down in Chockwell on Western Road here now. It's a brilliant house down here. Like There's a great group of lads here. And to be honest with you, if it wasn't for this house, I don't know how long it would have lasted back home. Okay, okay. Fair play to you, because unfortunately, sometimes coming out of treatment after 20 weeks, doing the halfway house, that's all great. It's the next step you have to be very careful of, really careful. When you come out of the halfway house and you're flying your own kite, you have to be very careful then. Yeah, you do. You have to, it's almost like you're treading on eggshells for the first few weeks. Oh man, you have to be so, so careful. But I I think you're in a strong enough place to know that now, don't you? Yeah, I'm in a very, I'm in a very headstrong place at the moment, Daniel. I went back home there now on the weekend um, for a family Christmas, and we would have went, they would have went out to the pub and all that, and watching everyone else drinking and me sitting there having a glass of coke, it was, it was quite, it was nearly alien to me. And watching everyone out, out of their face on cocaine, like and. Jesus Christ, I couldn't believe it. I was looking at all of them. And but should you not like, take yourself out of that scenario, Alan? Um, to be honest with you, it didn't bother me in the sense that I knew I wasn't going to near, go near it because I know I'm in a place where I'm good with who I am at the moment. But realistically, I didn't stay there that long. I stayed there about two hours and left when things started getting very, very bad inside in the public. I was gone and on for seven o'clock in the evening. So what was going on in that pub besides drink? There was plenty of cocaine being taken. I walked into the bathroom a couple of times to go into the cubicle to go, obviously go to the bathroom and... Uh, there was like four or five people every time standing at the urinals, uh, bags of coke in their hands and just giving each other a uh, snack of the cocaine and doing it themselves. Like it was, it's crazy how normalised it's after being and uh, young teenagers walking in out of the bathroom like and everything else is it's just it's, it's insanity. And as, as somebody who's been through this, you, you, you don't see cocaine as being um, a, a party drug or a, something that's used to socially and it never develops into a bigger problem for many people you, you wouldn't buy that no no of course it does it does develop into a bigger problem like right? Al- always yeah. really always um not always but look it's on the route to that now for almost everyone to be honest with you Niels. it's on that route to almost everyone now for that because i don't think anyone can just enjoy it socially anymore a lot of people are trying to cover things up you see and they're using cocaine to cover that up and do you, do you um do you figure that cannabis had anything to do with this route that you took? For me, it did. Of course, it did. Cannabis was a gateway drug for me. Okay, because sooner sooner or later, you know, cannabis use for personal consumption will be legalized here. Oh yes, I've no, I've no doubt. Because you can say the same that you know, alcohol is a legal 
yeah, uh, product, I but it's also a lethal weapon in the wrong hands. So, but but you course, you think that yeah. if you'd never taken cocaine, you'd never ended up on heroin. Sorry, you'd exactly. never taken cannabis. You'd never taken up on used heroin. Yeah, I would. I never thought that whatsoever. But you see, some people have a different frame of mind. Some people can do it recreationally, but I don't think that lasts that long. To be honest with you, what happens is you know, further down the line, people end up with psychosis. Um, you know, just general anxiety. I ended up with a severe amount of anxiety and depression from smoking cannabis and taking cocaine alongside of it. Yeah. But you don't they are coming or going, you. Okay, okay. You don't think that it was the alcohol was the gateway, no? No, because alcohol was the second thing I'd done. Uh, to be honest, I would have been using cannabis first and then straight gotcha. on to alcohol. Yeah. So we should not be surprised then um, no. with the knowledge that young people in first year or second year are actively snorting cocaine. No, you shouldn't be surprised whatsoever. To be honest with you, I think regular testing in school should be normalised right now at this moment because it's an epidemic in the country, mate. All right, pal. Listen, good luck with uh, your your continuing treatment. Well done on brewery. Um, Happy days at the halfway house. Uh, When you come out, have your job set up and everything? Um, I was offered work work twice since they are labouring for construction companies and that's something I'm going to have to look at now as soon as I get my safe pass after, I'd say, the next couple of weeks. So I'm looking forward to all of that that now. But is that something that you want to do? Would you contemplate going back to education, doing college course, something like that? No. Go back to education after two years. Um, I was told to wait to get two years under my belt in recovery. Fantastic. Before I decided to make that huge leap yet. What I want to go back and and realistically do, Neil, is psychology. Fair play to you. I hope that works out for you. You know, stay f- stay focused on that and good luck with it, Alan. All right, great chatting with you. Great chatting with you, Tony. Take care, pal. Well done. Well done. Back after the break on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Talk to Neil Printerville now. Eighteen fifty one zero four one zero six. Red FM. And you can text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Jer, good morning. Only me. Did you hear my conversation there with Alan? I did. I could relate fully. Um, you know, uh, from a very young uh, teenager starting out. And, uh, he was I, 14, I um, second year, I, secondary school. You were 12, is it? I was 12, actually, uh, with the reality of my uh, dysfunctional upbringing. And uh, I believe sugar was my uh, demise of a gateway drug. Um, you know, it caused my diabetes. Uh, it's the cause of uh, a lot of serious illnesses. Uh, in my case, in addiction, of, uh, you know, fixation, dependency, you know, and um, it took me to a, a, a very, how would I describe this? Um, uh, I was just useless and felt less than, you know, shame. I was full of shame. So this mask went on from a very early age and I took flight and um, you know I suppose like like most people that are on drugs um, it gets worse and worse and worse and worse and in my case that was, that's what happened but luckily enough there was no crack or no heroin luckily enough I was just look at just a different generation, I suppose, you know? Okay, but just let me let me get a handle on this now, because at the, at the age of 12, um, and you say you had a dysfunctional upbringing, I'm very sorry to hear that, and that can have devastating consequences for a young person and indeed for the rest of their life. But you mentioned sugar. Um, 
Talk, talk to me about, are you talking about, like, are you talking about fast food, sweets, chocolates, well, biscuits? I suppose. Granulated sugar? Remember, uh, ice cream, you know, in, in, in the pan, you know, from, from a very young age, you know, uh, uh, Fanta, um, uh, the Coke back in the day, I think I traced the cocaine in that. Um, but, um, I and did that develop? It, did 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 that develop in you an addictive personality? Then that led on to um, were you inhaling? Was it glue? I was inhaling a, a, a shoe conditioner uh, called Lady Esquire. It was a, a shoe conditioner uh, back in the shoe shops. Uh, uh, they copped on to me after a while. But uh, were you buying uh, it in, in shoe shops? Is this a polish? Uh, was uh, it a is it a polish or something? Yeah. Well, a shoe conditioner, you know. Uh, yeah, polished shoe conditioner. Okay. And, as, um, as a young boy? As, at the age of 12, uh, I was introduced by, by my peers. And um, with the generational trauma, then, you see, it just took off, you know. Uh, it was either uh, like you get counselling or psychiatric help, uh, but it didn't happen for me, you know. The mm-hmm. service really wasn't available now, you know, where, there's um, recovery centres down there. How long ago are we talking about? Well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm senior now, um, at the age of 12. I suppose I was about 14 or 15 years out there. Uh, and it, it took me to the, the T-junction, you know. And, are we talking uh, about 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago? Uh, well, uh, I haven't uh, took the drug alcohol in almost 40 years and I think they're all on par you know uh, alcohol to me is probably the worst one ever legalised but uh, that's just my opinion mm. Mm. and uh, it, it, it had a devastating effect to me it was the foundation of my addiction actually alcohol because it was readily available to was pubs every 5-10 minutes from each other if I needed anything else I'd have to make arrangements to meet somebody uh, phones were scarce. I'd use a phone booth, uh, meet someone in the city, you know, uh, where I come from in North Cork. And, um, you know, the, you know, I think it was the drinks industry, you know, the cash in and all this mm. uh, generational trauma. But, um, well, the, well their, product, their product in the wrong hands can be absolutely devastating. Yeah. Well, that is quite a lot of people suffer generational trauma, um, you know, and in, in, in all different uh, organisations like uh, the baby homes and mm. schooling system, mm. you know. I, I think it was just a, a hidden doctrine or something, you know. It was, um, it was there for a reason to cash it or I just followed it. Followed the the euro, followed the dollar. You know, and, and and when did you when did you decide that you didn't want to do this anymore, live like this anymore? Were you in your twenties, thirties, forties? When I ended up in serious trouble at the age of twenty five, um, to either uh, seek help or die. That's the choice I kept. So the serious trouble was was medical, was it? Uh, well, medical and and. Uh, Doing things uh, that's not proud of can't change, or uh, you know, I can't bring back the past to change it. But I, um, I, I can live right today. Yeah, you know, I live right today. And a spiritual life, um, 
Whereas the other Luciferian system, I call it, the through all the generational trauma, this this was available to victims of all this trauma. You know? So to victims of trauma amongst them of trauma amongst them you it was the likes of inhaling substances, use of cannabis, um, yeah. uh, propensity to okay. drink at a young age, um, the diabetes the was kicked off by the sugar, anything. Sugar, sugar. Yeah, yeah. yeah, anything. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was my demise, really, you know, yeah. that, uh, that I consumed and uh, fixated and whatever buzz I got off this uh, sugar. And that's palatium now is in, in a lot of... Uh, Minerals, aspartame. That's right. And, and they aspartamine, they use it. They use it in a lot of the diet drinks and diet food. They do. And it's toxic, actually. It's toxic. It's worse than sugar. Mm. Mm. And anyone can research it. And it's quite easy to do a bit of research. But um, I'm just lucky that I survived and uh, I've lived a good life since I gave up alcohol. I don't touch any venomous chemicals or substances. Mm. And. Uh, I live a spiritual life. Uh, my God is the creator of all existence. Wasn't it lucky that you didn't t- end up taking heroin or, you know, crack cocaine or... Well, it was available in Dublin, but it, it wasn't so widespread as it is you know. Yeah, yeah, it but, is now. Uh, the, the, the U.S. military were gathering in Afghanistan for years and, and uh, they were distributing it. Uh, there was a, a big increase in production mm. that was distributed worldwide, you know, the with the CIA and all that. But um, anyway, we've come to this point in our lives that uh, the whole globe, global societies, and demise over others, you know? Mm, that and lots more besides, yeah, yeah. So, okay, uh, listen, I'm glad you're in a much better place now, Jar. Thanks for taking the call. Look after yourself, all right? Thanks, God bless. Cheers, all the best. Martin Condon's been on the air regularly uh, down through the years, of course, and uh, he joins me by phone. Uh, he recently sent me uh, a cannabis joint in the post. Actually, I think he posted a couple of hundred of them around the country, and they even got through. Martin, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thanks I, think, I think they also got through um, whatever security system they use at Dáil uh, The They weren't picked up going through scanners, so they weren't the cannabis joints. Yeah, I, I, I pointed out a, a costly flaw in the security system, um, a 30 million euro security system, and uh, were able to penetrate it with a simple letter stamp. <laughs> so they d- wouldn't have, like, how, how would they have picked that up? Would that have been, should they have a sniffer dog there or something? Well, I, I, I suppose the security is there um, to protect them from anything dangerous yeah. and effectively what's in that letter isn't dangerous. I, I would hope that they have dogs there that are sniffing for bombs and really dangerous uh, substances that could be sent from them. I like the anthrax uh, mm. that was uh, quite relevant at the time when Ming started this campaign 20 years ago. Um, but yeah, the, the cannabis joints, they're, they're rather they're going to be very hard for them to detect on an extra. So why did you send out so many of them? Well, I was recreating, um, it was a milestone anniversary of the event when Luke Ming Flanagan, our now MEP, um, he sent cannabis joints to all of the TDs uh, back in 2001, on November 5th, 2001. So given the, the monumental milestone, the 20-year anniversary, Go we on. decided to recreate the event okay. because like back then, still today, there is a need to reform our laws around cannabis. Um, as we've seen on the run-up to Halloween, uh, the problems caused by prohibition the easy access, the unregulated nature of these cannabis edibles to, to, to our young people. Um, cannabis prohibition is the, the, the root cause of that problem. Okay, okay. And w- were you suggesting, because you, you sent me one, I've enclosed a cannabis joint for you to enjoy. 
it does contain some locally grown cannabis, Purple God Bud, is that it? Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, it contains no tobacco. So I'd imagine were I to fire it up, which I didn't and won't, there'd be some unmerciful bang off it, I would think, yeah? There'd be, an, uh, yeah, there'd be a nice, uh, uh, go, go one puff, take it slow if, uh, if you do. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll pass on that, Martin, if you don't mind. Do you, do you think that many of the TDs smoke them? Um, I, I would hope at least one or two of them did anyway. At least I put extra effort into uh, a particular few. Um, I won't mention any names. Don't want to get anybody in trouble. Um, but I, I do hope that uh, some of them enjoyed them, and uh, I hope others done the right thing then and went to the guards. And uh, well, there's the problem. Did you spike a, a few of them with other things? No. <laughs> there, there was one of them I sent to our minister for national. Uh, and I don't want to know which one, but like, uh, okay. surely that's surely that's a danger in the event well, that. I, I spiked it with parsley, so if, parsley. if you was to smoke, there's there, there's very little danger there at all. It's it's no different than if you were to burn your dinner and the parsley was smoking a bit. <laughs> what what are we going to do though with 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 stories like Alan? You know, at the age of of fourteen, started by smoking weed, then alcohol, then cocaine, from there to benzos, from there to cough bottles, from there to heroin. Yeah, well, I think stories like Alan's are very important and they, again, highlights why we need to end this prohibition because at the young age of 14, Alan was able to get access to drugs, um, unregulated drugs, which are far more dangerous than regulated drugs. When you get cannabis, cocaine or pills from an unregulated source, they could be hundreds to thousands of times more dangerous than if they were to be bought from a legitimate source. Then secondly, the biggest problem there as well is with Alan when he's exhibiting these um, problematic behaviours such as drug abuse, he's, he's, it's going to be much harder for him to get help because of the illegal nature of what he is doing. If it was to be alcohol, um, I, I believe, I don't know, was it Alan or one of the recent uh, callers there um, was on about how he was consuming alcohol in front of his parents. And that was kind of okay. Alan, yeah, but, yeah. yeah. And that, that would have gave the parents an, an opportunity to identify, hey, come here, he's exhibiting some problematic behaviours. He's drinking a bit too much there for his young age. Um, and they could have been inter- intervening. Um, but with the cannabis or any other drugs, it's going to be hidden from and they're going to be unaware. And it's going to be far more difficult to help that young person. But he says point. he developed anxiety. He said that he developed paranoia. He said that uh, he isolated himself in his bedroom because of it um, and, and much of yeah. that I, and, he, and I asked him from what drug and he said cannabis smoking yeah no, and that, that, that can definitely happen and uh, I'm not going to say that cannabis isn't going to make you paranoid but I used to look at the, Alan's case as well and he went from one drug to another um, so there, there was obviously something underlying there that he was trying to escape from and obviously the cannabis wasn't strong enough for that and the anxiety, the depression, the paranoia, that could have been part and parcel of anything underlying that he was trying to use the drugs to treat. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you make the medical argument as well on an ongoing basis, besides personal choice, you know, with regards to cannabis for pain management? Yeah, um, there, there's definitely an argument there for the medical side of it, and I've, I've always been hitting on that one. Um, Alicia Marr, um, the, the most prominent uh, pain patient there in Ireland, stuck in Alicante at the moment because of the lack of access to cannabis. Um, it, it's just incredibly unfair what's been done to these patients there and how they're just being left to fend for themselves effectively. Alicia returned home to Ireland um, on a brief visit there recently for some um, hospital appointments she had to attend. 
And when back there, she had to rely on the black market again to get mm. her cannabis to treat her pain. For pain. And she, she shared up on her Facebook page what that was like. The cannabis she got was incredibly substandard compared to what she would get over in Spain. It would allow you, think, the Gardaí to deal with more serious crime, um, rape, theft, murder, etc., rather than picking up people for a spliff or the odd toke here and there. And it also, you believe then, would mean that uh, if it were controlled and regulated it would be of more controllable quality and also would it deter minors in any way, shape or form then? Surely there'd always be room for a dealer nonetheless. Well, Neil, I'm, I'm glad you asked what it deter for minors because when you look at cannabis now today, it's, it's almost like on this pedestal for young people as this rebellious thing to do. It's, it's very cool. It's, it's illegal. You're not supposed to do it. You know, just, just say no. Um, so it has this allure to it that young people are really attracted to. If you make cannabis legal and it's their, their uncle, their 50-year-old uncle is using it for his glaucoma or his back pain or his sciatica, something like that, it, it loses that allure. It's, yeah. it's no longer cool. It's, it's something that your granny uses for her glaucoma. Um, it, it, I, I do think that regulation would uh, be a big, big part of uh, deterring young people from um, consuming cannabis before they get to a... The appropriate age. Okay, my man. Thanks for taking the call. I'm out of time for now. We're back after 10. Text 0868104106. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national, and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Ah, uh, lads. Douglas Village Shopping Centre is celebrating its 50th birthday and the anniversary is in two days' time. The 18th of November, 1971. 50 years ago, Douglas Village Shopping Centre. And right across the week, we have uh, really super-duper gift cards to give away to be spent at Douglas Village Shopping Centre. Two prizes every day. So two winners then, each winning a 200 euro gift card. Now you solve an awful lot of Christmas gift problems with 200 euro to be spent in the Douglas Village Shopping Centre. Um, so two winners. And again, it's all to do with the decade, the 70s, because the fact that Douglas Village Shopping Centre opened in 1971, we're looking at the 70s and talking about trivia from the decade. You need to identify what we're talking about or indeed what I'm playing. So you need to identify the following, the song, the film, the event and the year. Um, two winners. And yesterday's winners helped each other. And you can do the same. But don't call just yet. I'll play it a couple of times between now and maybe around about a quarter to midday. But this is what you need to solve, right? Ultimately, the year. Uh, but the other bits and pieces as well. Have a listen. Who knows? Sorry, hang on a second. It's been moved on me. It's up here. Hang on. Here we go. All right, Popeye's here. Get your hands on your heads. Get off the bar and get on the wall. Do you think that anything is particularly difficult about the new system? No, for the young, for the old, might be, yes. Not too bad. After you bought a few things and got changed. That's the song. Okay, the movie's in there as well. The event, big event in the 1970s, and you need to identify the year. So the song, the movie, the event, and the year. Um, and uh, I'll play it another couple of times between now and a quarter to midday, and it's your opportunity then to uh, get on the phone, win yourself a 200 euro voucher for Douglas Village Shopping Centre, two winners every day. On top of that, Gronbrough Credit Union are on board this week and we're playing Know Your North Side. So there's five grand's worth of cash to be won right across the station over this week and next week. And uh, every day this week, your opportunity to scoop a prize 
a 200 euro cash prize courtesy of ourselves and Gronerbraher Credit Union if you know your north side so we'll have some more trivia on the north side a little later on this morning I, I want to get to texts and emails and different topics like that but I don't want to lose calls either and um, people are keen to chat and that's always a great thing Paul good morning good morning how are you doing started with Alan this morning because I was chatting last week the chap with a seven and a half grand drug debt um, and he was uh, started when he was I think 12 years old Alan was 14 um, and he said that he started with, with <coughs> cannabis. You, you just wanted your tuppence worth on this, so go ahead. Yeah, so basically, what I wanted to say really is, I know, I understand people have tough upbringings when they're coming up, and that's kind of how things start out that way, where they start experimenting when they're 12 and 13 and 14. But when I see that, I look at that and I say, where are their parents? What do their parents see when they're like, when I was 12 and 14 years of age, my mother knew everything that I was doing every single thing and if there was something wrong just sit me down and do it so when you're 12 it's your parents that are at fault that's my own personal opinion on it I understand people go through stuff when they're younger but when I look at it like that I'd say right 12, 13, 14 it's just too young yeah, but I mean that that's all very well you know, blame the parents but that really solves nothing like parents no. don't always no, no, it's, it's, Parents don't always see the signs. Parents may be struggling themselves. The parents or parents could also have addictions. So who knows? One hundred percent. But uh, that it, it's not it's not for people of him in twelve and thirteen or fourteen. There are people of other ages that don't start to smoke or drink or whatever until they're seventeen and eighteen. Do you understand what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, yeah, but I mean, no, but I, I understand what you're saying, and uh, and I can come back to that. But what I was endeavouring to do over the last few days is find out how young it's actually getting, and and we're starting to achieve that now with calls from a, a, when a chap you, when you walk when you walk a chap who's saying that you, you'll find cocaine use in first year, second year, secondary school now. You know, it's commonplace yeah, I, in I pubs. Have, I, it's where where I am. Um, I haven't come across that much at that age. But I do know if you walk into any pub in any town, in any county, if there's 25 people inside there, you can be guaranteed at least 10 to 12 of them are taking cocaine. That's how bad it's gone at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's everywhere. It's, it's people from every walk of life, every age. Um, it's half turning into a pandemic. But I don't agree with cocaine use as such. Um, I just think all and binal, it's, it's no good to anyone. Um, I understand people like the rectal use, but I think a substance like cocaine, um, there is no real excuse for it. But I'm not ringing about him about cocaine use. What I'm ringing about is cannabis use. This is the, what, what, what I want to get involved with. Okay, because you, you, um, you, you smoke and you mind your own business and you don't know harm to no man. But, no, uh, I, but people who go out and get drunk and act the maggot, you got a dig from someone last week, did you? Because it was, it was I mean, langers. I was, I, I was out the weekend and um, I was out and me and a friend of mine who even, doesn't even drink, um, we were out. But it was arguments and all of this stuff. And people are out of their own body when they get to that state. But because it's Ireland and because there's a whole culture around alcohol, uh, he was drunk, he was doing this, and I can't even remember. It's all excuse. But for someone like me, and I know a lot of people, and I know a ton of people that, are, that will be cannabis users, okay? And none of them have issues like that. Everyone gets up, they do their work, they go to work from Monday to even to Saturday, on the weekend then. What I would prefer, I wouldn't be much of a person to go out as such. Yeah. What I would much prefer to do is, on the weekends, I watch a lot of football, so I'd sit down, I'd have a smoke, I'd sit down, relax, 
might get a piece of that and I throw on a movie. Um, that's my sort of thing. But if I do that, I'm considered a criminal. But people can go... Oh, I, no, I had a second. You, you throw on the movie, you watch the match, you might get yourself a pizza, but you also have a smoke. Exactly, yeah, okay. and that's what I like to do to relax. That's my spare time. But it, it would I seem as if your t- it would seem as if sooner or later your time will come when that will be decriminalised and you'll be allowed to do that, and no one will put in or out with you. Come? Is that going to be fifty years time? Will I, I don't. I don't 60? think it'll be anywhere like fifty years. I, I really know, don't. But, but, but my side of it is that how but people can go out, consume as much alcohol as they want, carry on, behave whatever way they want, and it's excused because it's an Irish culture of alcohol. Well, there's no excuse for a guy getting langers and hitting you a dig. No, no, but, but for what I'm saying is... A cannabis user of, wouldn't do... Somebody who smokes wouldn't do that, you're saying? Yeah, that okay. would never happen. Ever, right, okay. not once, like. You see, here's, here's the thing. Um, it's, it's probably fine for you, but the worry is for those that might have much more kind of addictive personalities or might have the inclination to start with weed, then try a bit of coke and then try benzos and tablets and then try yeah, uh, sniffing stuff or then get onto heroin or crack cocaine. That, it, it's, it's, it's not really you that is the, is the worry. No, it's, 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 it's those it's, that can develop people. problems because of it. 100%. And the gateway drug is not cannabis, in case people tell you. The gateway drug is alcohol. Right. I've never seen one person in my entire life take have some cannabis and turn around and say, I'd love some cocaine now. Alcohol and cocaine go hand in hand together. Hand in hand with each other. Mm. So they are the two that carry each other, not a cannabis with the other. Good Best points. Okay. Every, okay. every single pub in Ireland, no one goes in there. If they're going out for the night and they, they, they don't feel like they can drink or they can stay out drinking for the night, they'll take some cannabis. It'll keep them going until 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. But the issue with that is they don't know when to stop. It'll continue into the next day. It'll continue into two days. It'll continue into week after not, week. Not, you and just said cannabis the there. I think you meant cocaine, didn't you? That's what I mean. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah Okay, yeah. all right. Good points. Thanks for that. Cheers, Paul. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Can I just do, and I will come back to this, I promise you that, because a lot of other business to do this morning. Here's a lovely email came in from a very, very uh, happy girl called Jessie. She says, um, hope you can find this person. Um, Da, 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 da. Oh, hang on a second. Uh, I'm not going to read this out at this point in time because I believe she's actually coming on. So I don't know why I have this email. So I won't read it for now. But Jesse had a lovely deed done to her to uh, helped out at a, at a petrol station there recently when her daughter got very, very sick. So we'll come back to that. Um, following my conversation at the back end of last week with Eka Valenga and her um, chat with me on the air about her mother's assisted dying in uh, the Netherlands. Many, many people got in touch with regards to that interview. Um, and amongst them, some texts that I didn't get to uh, on Friday. It's very sad listening about that lady uh, and her husband and indeed Aka Valenga's mother, but particularly the lady and her husband with motor neuron disease. My dad's sister had motor neuron and she begged my dad to take her to Switzerland, to the clinic, so that she could end her own life at a time of her own choosing. My dad refused saying that he couldn't live with himself if he helped her to die. She researched it and everything. It's an awful disease watching people lose every movement in their body. Uh, Another one here. Fantastic discussion on air recently. We care more about ending animals suffering than humans. Once compass meant us, it should be a legitimate choice. And this is never a religious issue. Uh, Euthanasia has been going on in Ireland through palliative care for many years. A few of my own relatives' lives were extinguished in this way. Once a morphine pump is fitted, um, a sedative is added so you don't wake up. They can give relatives an exact day and time of death before the person even starts receiving these drugs. Therefore, they tell the family if they're lucky when to say their goodbyes 
before all of this, says Marie, saying that uh, euthanasia has been going on in Ireland through palliative for many, many years. Those texts and lots more besides don't even talk to me about all of the COVID stories that we've been dealing with recently. But can I just say, um, because I was dealing with this on air yesterday, the cost of uh, antigen tests, whether it's a single or a box or whether you could buy them or not. Uh, We researched nine or ten different pharmacies across Cork City, suburbs and county yesterday. And it's quite interesting. Some of the pharmacies have nothing at all. Like we got in touch with Murphy's Pharmacy on the North Main Street and they were completely sold out. Um, they were only selling single tests, tests, uh, tests at six ninety five, because the box of five worked out a way too dear at €40 Euro a box. But at the moment they have nothing. Douglas Pharmacy Plus um, have uh, singles. Uh, they did have boxes, but they're completely sold out at €38 Euro for a box of five. So they sell singles at seven euro. Um, Balancholic, Hickey's Pharmacy and Balancholic have both. And it's amazing how they vary in price. Like you can get a box of five for 30 euro in um, Hickey's and Balancholic. But another pharmacy then, say, for instance, on the North Main Street, would have been charging 40 euro. Um, it, it's bizarre. And even cheaper again, Minahan's chemist on Oliver Plunkett Street um, have only single antigen tests because they can't find or buy boxes but when they did have them, they were 24 euro for a box. You see where this is going? 24 euro in one chemist, 30 in another, 40 in another again. Um, they're both available when we got in touch with the Railway View Pharmacy in McCroom. They have a box for 25 and a single for six. Uh, O'Sullivan's Late Night Pharmacy in Mallow um, have nothing. They're completely out of stock, but hopefully they were hoping to restock today. So it's kind of hit or miss wherever you go. West Cork then um, have only singles in uh, the pharmacy and uh, super value and clonicality. Glengariff have both. And then that down in Yall, the pharmacy in Yall or a pharmacy in Yall have uh, nothing at all. They're completely sold out. Um, so it depends where you go, really. It can be hit or miss. In the UK, you can just get two boxes uh, and each box has seven self-test kits for free from any pharmacy uh, across cities and towns and villages. Uh, You can even log online and they'll send them to you in the post for free. Big difference, isn't there? This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at NeilRedFM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Referencing back to the start of the program, Texter says you're stirring it up again with more BS, creating BS scaremongering. Well, I'm not actually. I was just telling you what the papers are saying. So you might want to be accusing the papers of stirring it up. They're giving you ideas about the worst case scenario with infections on a daily rate of up to 12,000 and, you know, 500 and hospital and, you know, 500 and ICU. That's in a worst case scenario. I'm not saying that. That's what the papers are saying. I mean, if, if you if you really want to drill into it, I, I find it absolutely bizarre the amount of people that I know that have been doubly vaccinated since June or perhaps July, fit people, young people, much younger than me, uh, and could they contract COVID and they're absolutely flattened by it. Um, I'm not going to go into chapter and verse on it, but I find that bizarre that somebody could be doubly vaccinated by July. So that's August, September, October. And this is November. That's four months later. Four months later. And they're absolutely flattened and wiped. And in one particular case, it was a lot less than four months. Well, why would that be? Anybody know why you could be doubly vaccinated and two or three months or four months later, you're absolutely hammered by it? Um, like, and we're talking about booster jabs now and discussing who and when they should get it. 
Like, why would you even need a booster jab if you're three or four months after the second dose? You would think that there would be some sort of protection rather than being flattened by it four months later. But I tell you another consequence of it, and that is rudeness. Um, you know, whether it's customers or indeed staff. Um, and um, actually, it's, it's interesting because I saw some texts coming in on this recently. One said, it's the time of the year when we're going into shops more for presents, going into shops more for clothing for gifts, and I absolutely dread it. Anytime I go shopping for clothes or presents and all those sorts of things, I always have such a negative experience. No matter where I go, I seem to go to the staff members who are just so rude to me, and I have no idea why. I'm in my early 20s, and I just always seem to have this experience. The more upmarket the shop, the worse it seems to be. Having worked with customers myself, I always make sure to greet people when I meet them. So I'm not sure where I'm actually going wrong. Uh, when I ever have a positive experience in a shop, I always make sure to tell them because it's so rare in Cork these days. It's got to the stage where I hate going shopping on my own anymore and even friends and family have seen this happening. Uh, just wondering, uh, is it just me? Uh, well, I, I don't think it has anything to do with the way you treat the staff. I mean, you could just be very kind of clinical about it and almost in military fashion and just not bother trying to engage with anybody anymore. You could just go in, get what you want, put it on the counter, say your please and thanks and leave. Like as if you're invisible and they're invisible to you. But where you make an effort, you would think that the staff would make an effort back. I mean, I've been in scenarios where they don't even look up anymore. Now, when you notice somebody that goes the extra mile, you do kind of almost get a shock, don't you? You kind of say, wow, that was great service. But I don't know, is it just the times we're living in? Are, are people just completely and utterly fed up uh, because of the last two years? Maybe, maybe you're just meeting the ones that hate their jobs or fed up with their jobs. But you do say that the more expensive and upmarket the shop, the worse the experience. Be keen to know if anybody else is experiencing that. Text 0868 104 106 and we'll come back to it. I want to get back to the phone lines for now though. Maeve, good morning. Good morning, Dave. Now, Boyce Street is just off Blarney Street, isn't it? It is, yeah. Okay, yeah. and how long have you been there? Uh, 20 years since August. And is it a flats complex, is it? It is, yeah. And are you the last it's one there? Story. What? I'm, it's a three-story three um, townhouse, they're called, three-story townhouse. So I'd have someone living under me as well. And it's just the one, is it? It's, it's, so there, there was four blocks yeah. on Boyce Street. And um, a few years ago, one of the, the last block was uh, burnt. One of the apartments was burnt down and then they completely knocked the whole block then. Right, um, right. 18 months ago, before the start of the COVID, and um, they started work on it, and then because of the COVID, they stopped it. So, in the previous eight years, we were shown a set of two sets of plans, what they were going to do. So, the first one fell through, apparently, because of money reasons, and the second one is going to be beautiful when it's completed, and we were told next year, next year, next year. So, they moved everyone out um, of my block last December, before the start of December, and they came out and asked us to move up to um, this new 25 houses, three-storey again, that right. they went behind the residence bar on And that's lovely, isn't it? And many people moved in there. But did, but so you... Most, most of what, what lived on Boyce Street moved up there. And why didn't you... Because of health reasons, I have a back condition, and my husband has is really an arthritis, so that wouldn't have been suitable for us. The the three story again, 
so then they said, where do you want to go? And I said, I'd like to stay local. And we were just, it was put on the back burner. Then everyone is gone. And it was every week, every week we'd, we'll have a place, we'll have a place there. And then the guy that was dealing with us, God love us, John, he was lovely. He, he retired and this other uh, group took over the regeneration All right. of the okay. area. Yeah, okay, okay. So but there's, I'm, I'm the last on my block. There was eight of us on, six of us on the block. I'm the last on my block. There's one on the following block down. But what, okay, but what, block. so you're there, you're, you're the last to go. What's it like living there, though? Well, the conditions are horrendous, Neil. So they came, they came around a few years ago to retrofit the properties and they realised that they were built with asbestos. They never consulted us or disclosed it to us. We found out from a builder that was build, starting to build in the bottom block because I asked what was happening and he said, oh, we have to get specialists in from Northern Ireland to demolish them because of the asbestos. So all my windows are nailed shut because my daughter and her two-year-old and three-year-old live with me and all the windows are nailed shut. We're barricaded. Why? Why, why are they nailed shut? Because sure, kids are kids nailed. If if the window was open a bit, sure, we're, we're three stories up. The bedrooms are three storey up. It's a two-bedroom. We live in, there's five of us living in a two-bedroom. My husband's sleeping on the sofa for the last 12 months because my granddaughter sleeps with me and my grandson sleeps with his mum in the other room. Um, half the house is a staircase, so and it's a dangerous staircase. I've fell down this three times and we've confined to the bench for 20 days each time. Right, you need to move around now, maybe because the line isn't great, so it's hard to, you're just uh, I'm picking you up there about who's sleeping with who. It's a two-bed, is it, or three? Yes, it's a, it's, a, it's a two bed. All right, okay. So there's way too many of you for a two bed. And what's the yeah. story with uh, people shooting up outside your front door? So a couple of weeks ago, I went outside the door to have a cigarette. And next I looked, I sent you the video and there's a guy putting a needle in his arm. So then I sent you the pictures of all the rubbish and the, the rats. And now because I got on tea back in the start of October, um. They came along Thursday, Friday and yesterday and came in with the bulldozers and took down all the sheds and that's their that's their solution to the antisocial behaviour, the drug taking and the rat infestation. And or the rats as well. Because we did we did talk to you, you were due on air some time ago and then and then didn't come on because I think we got we thought we had sorted something for you, but that's fallen through, is it? So I was I was to come on to you the following morning. Seamus was on to me and he said, Do you come on? I said, Seamus, you're not going to believe this. I said, we were just offered a house. Yeah, yeah. because he, he called so, them. He called City Council. Yeah. He, oh. he did. And, you, and thanks very much. But, I really appreciate okay, that. Okay. But you so, didn't take it because it's too high up, is it? Is that, is no, 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 Neil. So I, I was offered the three-story three times and I said, I can't because of health reasons. So then they came along and they said, your daughter can have one. So my daughter went up, we viewed it. He actually said to her, which number do you want? There was five vacant. Which do you want? And she said, I'll take this number because it's next door to an old neighbour of mine on Boyce Street. Right. We went in, she was so excited. The kids were excited. And he said, I'll be on to you by Friday. So since January now, it's every Friday. I know we're in nearly the end of November. So he came back and he said, the allocation, the head of the allocation said, you're not entitled to it because you're not on the list long enough. Now, she's on the list over three years, Neil. 
And because we're being put out of our home, they said, oh, you have to go with your mum and dad. And we said, that's not happening. I need a home of my own with my husband. She has her own family now. She's entitled to her own home because many of the other people that moved out, their children got their own homes as well. And I think because I refused that. Are there many? Were there many in the area with children living with their mothers and fathers? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah. So it, most of them have been been housed separately. Because so, that's kind of difficult for the council to solve that if they have to find two houses for the occupants of one former flat. I know that, Neil, but it's it's their coming, they're, they're coming around and, and having to put us out, out of our home. I'm there 20 years. Yeah. I replaced every... That was a shell when I moved in. I put every skirting board, architrave, door, staircase. I completely regenerated that whole home in the last 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but the the cold is unbelievable. Unbelievable. You can see your breath. The kids wake up; their faces are freezing. Their hands are freezing. Why is there not a heating system working there? No, I I have the heating, Neil. I have the heating, but in in the whole three story building, there's four rads working. I I I spend at least a hundred and twenty a week to heat the house. I light a cold fire in my sitting room. Just it just heats the sitting room. I have to plug in electric rads. I got an ESP bill for two hundred and fifty euro in in August, which I found a bit strange because it was the summer. That bill came from the summer, so all the electrical in the house. I have to plug everything out because there's there's spark. My heat, my 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 boiler is about to go, so that's about eleven or twelve hundred euro. The council told me they came the last time I was to on the radio to you. Yeah, so but they have my to attic repairing it. Yeah, because that's their responsibility. But I, I should be—I should have been housed. I, I shouldn't be living in it, Neil. I know it's, it's sub substandard. Yeah, and like I don't mind just house. That's my a shame. There was a shame they'd offer something to your daughter and take it away again. That's that's that. it three times. So I'll tell you what happened over the past twelve weeks, Neil. They rang her and said, "Will you take one of the new houses in Bishop's Avenue on the Redemption Road?" All excited, I will, I will, I will. We're just waiting for Gareth Clare and Centers. We're just waiting for this, waiting for this. So every every Monday, oh, it's Friday, it's Friday. So we ring. They don't answer us, Neil. They don't answer us, which is very disheartening. So they rang her last month. Oh, so so they took. So he said to me, "Will you go up to Nakhnehini, Maeve, and take that and?" Well, we find another property for you down in Grand somewhere. And I said, I will, of course. So he took us up there three weeks ago, Neil, and we measured it up. He never turned up now the first time because it was a deterrent, so then we wouldn't want the radio to you. Right. He took me up. I measured up for curtains, this, that, beautiful. He saw that my heart was set on it. And then he said, we're just waiting on Antoinette's approval. So he rang her last Monday and he said... Um, Oh, last Tuesday, and he said, "Oh, bad news, Tori. You're um, you didn't get the house. The houses are now gone. So the best thing for you to do, when she when she videoed the antisocial behaviour with the drugs and all the needles and all the tin foil in a bungalow below us, she told she voiced him and she said, I'm going public with this tomorrow.' And he rang her and he said, "If I was you, I wouldn't jeopardise getting your house. Yeah. So he knew she wasn't getting the house anyway, Neil." Which but it could, yeah, it could go against her if she went public. Yeah, well, 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 exactly. well here you are now. Um, and and here, here I am now. And I just, I've just, in the last few days, Neil, I started painting up my house for Christmas to make it habitable 
for the kids just to give them a nice Christmas. But I stopped doing all that since. I've packed up since last January. I told him I'm packed to go out that door. They've been saying, you have a house fee, we have a house fee. They're liars, mate. They're liars. But when, when everybody else moved, they did say that they offered you um, a third floor yeah. apartment that you turned down. And you said because you're back, is it? Because I, I've sent in all, all my... Um, but you're already up on a third speed. floor at the moment, aren't you? You're, are you coping there, no? Where you are? No, no, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. My back is very bad and, yeah. and my knee yeah. and my husband. So, so for me to... So for the last 17 years, I've yeah. been bringing my shopping from the main road in. I have two... My elbows are destroyed. I've been going to physio. I just have constant tennis elbows. So three years ago, I found a trolley on the road i done the trolley, and that's how I bring my shopping in and out now to to the house. You and then when I go in the house... You didn't get any rats You didn't get any rats indoor, did you? Oh, no, 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 thank God, thank God. So I have to... When I open my front door, it's straight up the stairs. The stairs are very dangerous because you would want to size three shoes for your foot to fit on the steps. And then you're, you're up into a sitting room in the kitchen. That's all the kids have then. Listen, it's, I, 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 it's, it's, all very, it's all very well for people to text in critical, but they don't live in the conditions, say, that you're living in. But nonetheless, um, here's a couple of texts that you won't be impressed with. I'm seven years on the housing list and never once got an offer of viewing. At least her daughter got to view one. Why would she be offered something three years on the list? Uh, and another one, generation after generation on the air with you with their hands out. If she wants something, go out and work for it. Who said that I don't work, Neil? Just tell you. I don't, who, who said I don't work? I yeah. never said I didn't work. I paid the bones of a hundred euro a week for that dump, Neil. I know. I paid bones of a hundred euro. There's a hundred and twenty to hundred and forty just to heat it. There's no way for the kids. We've no garden. We've no backyard, and we've a yard. I'd say there's a lot of people out there who are in, in awful situations like that. Somebody else says, um, see another one there. Um, there's a black, hang on a sec, here it is. Sorry now, but our daughter shouldn't get to skip everyone else on the list. I live in a damp old house full of mould. It affects my child's health. I have doctor's letters sent into council over and over again. They don't care about my child's health. They don't care about anything. I say they don't a lot care about anyone's health, Neil. But we're, we're, being, we're being moved. They've been condemned. So I don't think we should be living in a condemned house. You know? uh, yeah, so, somebody says that area is a black spot, uh, that gangs and drugs are around there constantly. They're yeah. a disgrace. The poor kids, I wouldn't walk there on my own. Yeah. The whole area is yeah. derelict. I can't believe there are people still in them. Uh, my people, prayers, people, yeah. People say this, you're, you're actually living there. And I'm like, morning when they came at 8 o'clock to knock down the sheds at the end of my block, my, my house shook. And I woke up and I'm like, so I videoed it and I sent this to you. I pay Neil to have all that public area that the council should be cutting the grass. I pay a grass cut for every two weeks just to keep to, to upkeep outside my front door to make it to look nice. I buy flowers and shrubs and plants. I don't know why I'm you getting. Know? I don't know why I'm getting so many negative texts. It is ridiculous for anyone to expect the council to house them. You need to do it for yourself. That's kind of easier said than done. Um, another one then picking up on, uh, I can't read all of this out because it's just not broadcastable, but it's alluding to the fact that there are way too many young people having children that they can't rear themselves and expect others to do it for them. It's like it's amazing, the text. Well, that's the, that's the society that we live in, Neil. 
you know, like the, the, the children are here. There's nothing we can do about that. And to me, children are a blessing, Neil. Yeah. yeah, yeah you know? Yeah. So, oh, absolutely. And if, and they need a place to God live. God forbid, if there was a fire, Neil, there is, I have no escape to get out at all, at all, at all. And a fire brigade will not get into my apartment because I'm barricaded in the whole way around. Where Maeve, li- where Maeve lives is an absolute disgrace to live around there. Those flats should have been knocked years ago. Uh, people are yeah. saying that it's pretty... I mean, do you want us to get back in touch with them again? It'll annoy an awful lot of people this conversation. Firstly, because they'll say you turn somewhere down, and secondly, they'll be, they're saying as well because your daughter isn't on the list long enough as others. So I, I'm going to get grief no matter what I do. You know. So it, Neil, if if we were living in an appropriate property, my daughter would wait on the list like everyone else yeah. is waiting on the list. Yeah. It's because we've been we've been put out of our home that I spent a lot of money on through the years. Oh no, I know, I understand. I have no, I have no problem doing that. I'm just letting you know that no matter what I would do in this, I can't win. Here, Twelve years on the housing list, not once did I ever get an offer. Um, full of empty promises from the council. That's kind of half saying 12, 12 years is is. But your daughter should be on the list before she's ever entertained. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But there's there's plenty of people then Neil that did get houses with one child, and their child is younger than my granddaughter. I sure, I know, I know. I you know, know what I mean? I so know. like. Is it, is it who you know? You know? I've been on to TDs with the promises we get back to you. Three of them. Well, you won't be getting a vote from me the next time round. Or anybody and I come from a big family. You won't be getting any votes from any of my family. Because it was just, oh, we'll be back on to you, back on to you. And I didn't hear back from one of them. Maybe. Gotcha. I know what you're saying. Yeah, easy to make promises different when you need them to yeah, deliver. Yeah, Listen, I tell you, yeah. it's no problem. We get on to them again like we did for you last time and let's see if it makes a difference. All right? Okay, Neil. Thanks right. very much. Okay, stay in touch. Thanks, okay. Maeve. We'll see what happens. Text 0868104106. Well, you get the, those that agree and indeed you get those that disagree. Uh, I'm nearly 12 years on the housing list myself. Not one offer because I'm a RAS tenant. Uh, full of empty promises in the council. Uh, one other one for now, Michelle says, uh, has that lady any thoughts on the on, on all the young people and not so young that are scrimping and saving for their own homes and they make do with what they can afford or they live with their parents? I understand that she needs a home, but why is her daughter entitled to a council home, says Michelle in Ballinlock. Text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter. At Neil Red FM. Just interestingly, we know that the cabinet is meeting this morning and different committees are meeting yet again to talk about whether or not they'll change the guidelines from working from home. They probably will encourage people to stay at home if they can and then introduce COVID certs for gyms, hairdressing salons and barbers. Uh, but they're also, according to Financhian and the Independent just a while ago, they're also discussing this morning uh, pub closing times. Now, at the moment, pubs can stay open until half past 11 during the week, half 12 of the weekends. 11 o'clock on a Sunday. But the closing time of pubs and nightclubs is back on the table this morning. And they're discussing that as well. Are they talking about restricting them or getting them to close earlier? So that's what uh, the discussion, that's some of the discussions that are happening this morning. If there are any updates while we're on air, I will certainly bring them to your attention. Just quickly, this side of 11, I almost, almost read out Jesse's email, but it would have been fine to do so. But it's always better to chat. Jesse, good morning. Morning, Ian. Accent- I'm just trying to accentuate the positive as best we can and the good deeds that people do for each other. So you're you're heading home with your 19 your 19 month old daughter. She's been to the doctor because she's very sick. Pick up the story. 
so I live out past uh, the tunnel. Um, so it was 25 past five and I didn't have much diesel left and the light had come on. So with rush hour traffic, I kind of knew I wouldn't make it home. So I said I'd go to the the garage near my doctor, which is um, the Amber Garage on Bandon Road. Right. So um, I had pulled in anyway. Um, Harper was fine. Uh, next, I started filling the, the car with diesel. And out of nowhere, she just started screaming, crying, and started vomiting um, everywhere. Um, but then she started to choke on the vomit. Now, do you know, as you can probably imagine, like, it, the whole thing probably was, it was seconds, but it felt like minutes, know. you know? Yeah. So, um, you I... Dro- you stopped the, the pumping of the oh, diesel and you yeah. re- got to her, yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, so grabbed her out of the car seat, but she started to choke on her vomit. So I had her kind of, um, her... I had her body had held forward just to get make sure the vomit was coming out of her mouth just to make sure her airways were cleared. Yeah. Um. So anyway, pounding on her back and she was still vomiting and I'm trying to soothe her, but the creator she was very distressed as well by the whole thing, you know. Of course. Yeah. Um. So still vomiting, kept going. Um. And and the man came over to to the car and he said, "Do you want me to 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 continue filling your car?" And I said, "You know what? Now I said I'm okay. I think I think I've enough um to to do me to go home." Um, but I said, if you don't mind, at this stage I had taken half a Harper's clothes off because she was covered destroyed, in vomit. Destroyed, of course, yeah. She was destroyed, and that would even distress anyone. So I said, I'll, I'll try to clean her off. Now she was still kind of vomiting in between, and she was still very distressed, bawling, crying. So I said, I'd, I'd greatly appreciate if you could just run, if you could go in and pay. So I gave him my card, but you know, I I, I didn't give him my pin, um, but I, I I knew I'd contact us. But of course, he could have just tapped it. Yeah, yeah. But of course, I had used up my contactless limit for the day. But my bank, I can only, I think it's three or four times. And okay, then I so in he went to tap. What happened when he went into tap? Oh, it obviously had declined then, you know. Um, oh, How much I, was I, it? It was, it was only, it was 20 euros. It was 20 euros. <laughs> so but he came he, back, what happened next? So he came back and the poor man, my daughter was still um, bawling crying. And he, he even gave me the receipt, you know. And I said, I'm so sorry. You know, in hindsight, you know, the whole situation, I was so stressed, she was so stressed, I actually would have given my pin, um, just, you know, in the heat of the moment, you know, that kind of a situation. So what did he um, do? I mean, the card was cl- declined, did he say what he did? He he paid for it, he paid for the diesel himself. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I, like, you know, I mean, any parents, I, like, I suppose a lot of people have been in a similar situation, you know, kind of so stressed. Um, and and obviously I, I would I would assume that man might have kids or knows knows of kids because to do that you know to be honest I mean what a kind man you know um, and I and I said to him I said look I said um, I, I couldn't go into the shop to get the, to to put in the pin because my daughter was still bawling and crying she was half she, you know she she only had half her clothes on. Um, but I said, can I can I take your number? And I said I can revolute you the money or you know revolute is a godsend you know. Um, I said, or oh, we can organise. And he said, no, 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 no. And he just kind of went on his way. Um, Was he a young guy, middle-aged guy, elderly guy? I don't want to do him any injustice, no, but I, I do think, I think he was in his 40s. Tall okay. man with glasses. Young guy then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so you went so far as to try and, re- did you ring the garage? I rang the garage and I left the message. No, you're breaking up with me. But they, they, they couldn't find him. They wouldn't know who he was. No, I left a message for them, but even at that, like, I mean, I know they, that they couldn't give me a red for, you know, data protection yeah, and all I that. Yeah, I know, I know. You know. Just, listen, I know, you, were you keen to find him? I, yeah, I am, and I just, I, do you know what, now, I'd love to even at least, 
I want to give him the money back for the diesel and I also would like to do something nice for him whether it's a hamper or a voucher or something um, do you know just just for myself and my husband just to really thank them like he really got me out of a very bad well, yeah because it was distressing enough for you as it was and he came to your aid and did a wonderful thing well if that happens well and good but if it doesn't happen just put it down to a random act of kindness from a stranger yeah. and your time will come sometime in the future when you can do for somebody what he did for you Oh, and absolutely, and I and I and I always say it, I do believe that will come back in him with karma. Um, but for what he did, I know with COVID as well, a lot of people are kind of anxious to approach anyone. I know, but you yeah. know, I, I can promise you that really got me out of a situation. And I and I, you know, if anyone, I'll, I'll, I'll most certainly will do something similar for anyone if I ever come across anyone like that. Well, listen, I if he gets in touch, well and good. But if not, random act of kindness that you can make good going forward. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well done. Nice one. Nice one, Jesse. Thanks for taking the call. Lovely story. Thank you. Keep those coming. Text 0868104106. Meanwhile, yeah, I read out a text earlier on for somebody who's talking about retail staff, and that has prompted text. Retail is one of the toughest, especially recently, job you can be in. People have forgotten to be patient, says Louise. Yeah, okay, you could blame the customers, but in the case of the text that I read out, uh, this is to do with rude staff where where the page, where the actual customers done nothing at all. Uh, I work in retail and honestly, if you're having a bad experience in every store, then uh, all I can say is it's not the stores, it's you. We are not all monsters in retail and some of us do go out of our way for customers. Stephanie says, I rarely have a negative experience. The majority of my shopping interactions would be just neutral. Neither positive nor negative, just neutral. And that's fine by me. Have they perhaps considered that their increased perception on negative interactions might be related to their own behavior or her own behavior? Unfortunately, Stephanie's saying it's you not them. One more. In retail, the only time I've consistently seen a customer treated badly is because all of the staff are aware that this customer's bad past behavior. Maybe this person unfortunately looks like a bad customer. I always treat the customers the same, even if I know they've been rude in the past. Uh, bear in mind, many are on busy schedules working with large, large crowds. There's a chance some of them can't handle the pressure of the work, resulting in having a few negative things going on in their mind while on the job. But yes, every customer should be offered a greeting with a smile. Well, of course they should. You are spending money and I suppose to some extent keeping them in a job, to be honest with you. Uh, I've seldom come across a bad shopping experience and I always thank the staff. And if they have a name badge, I will also say their name, says Adrian. That's another good thing to do. If they've got a name badge... Use the name. Back after 11. Hi, it's Connor. Join me Sunday from 7 for Green on Red, bringing you the biggest, the best, and newest names in Irish music. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Just from the point of view of uh, research, we're looking at, you can tell a person's character by the suite that they go for first. And you can look at the research from Quality Street, the Roses box, the Celebrations box, and the Heroes. And God knows there isn't a day goes by that we don't have a box of them outside on the on the uh, breakfast counter or the breakfast bar. But um, it's just amazing because I, I referred earlier in the week, the back end of last week, that for me it was the bounty, the independent thinker, rarely following the crowd, um, even though you know that sometimes it might make you unpopular. You bounty eaters like me out there, we're okay with that. But extraordinarily, um, um, so far, the Malteser 
seems to be the one that people go for most. So Lana, um, Mark and Brenda have all said that their favourite is the celebrations box and within it is the Maltese, the happy-go-lucky and easy-to-be-around person. The only person that doesn't go along with that from the point of view of this team is Emer, who went for the double-decker, you know, the little dinky-decker. And her personality trait would be, you want to experience as many things as possible and your great lust for life is always absolutely infectious. So make it make up your own mind. Um, and I guess you can get this research on air you want. Like, for instance, if for you it's the, the purple one, you're effortlessly chic and have a patient and relaxed temperament. How can they tell that? You know, is it from the colour of the sweet wrapper or the taste of the sweet? If you're the poor misfortune, I mean, who would go for fudge? Um, but if you do go for fudge from the roses box, then you're able to see the best in everyone. Yeah? You're able to see the best in everyone, you fudge eaters. Actually, you know, talking about retail staff and people who are rude to people in retail, there's actually a sign on the drive-thru in McDonald's that says, we are really sorry that our service is not as fast as you would used to be, or used to. Um, Let me see if I can read this very small print. We are really sorry that our service is not as fast as you would be used to or that our trading hours aren't as long as you might expect. But we're really struggling to hire people at the moment. So the guys who are here are working really hard to try and make you smile. They have, they're they a great team doing their best in difficult circumstances. And then in big, huge capitals, please be nice! Exclamation mark. Now, they must have had to put that up. Uh, at McDonald's because not everybody's being nice. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851 Red FM. I also saw a photograph of a sign there recently uh, outside a restaurant which said something along the lines of please be kind to our staff. They're the ones who chose to come in today. Um, be kind to them. They even came to work. And it seems to be a shortage of staff. People just can't get staff. I mean, uh, McDonald's saying on that sign we're finding it difficult to get staff. Be kind to the ones that are here. Does it mean that people are screaming and roaring into the speaker and the drive through a McDonald's these days and being rude and abusive? Um, big staff shortage. Oh, and, and incidentally, just on the, uh, the poor old bounty, it must be awful to be a bounty bar. It must be awful to be the small bounty suite. You know the person at the party that never gets talked to or ignored? Or the guy in the corner who just can't score up a date? I mean, it must be terribly sad for the poor old bounty but I'll always be on the side of the bounty it's my favourite but did you know Seamus tells me now that, and I suppose this was bounty happen <laughs> that you in the new year if you've got all of the bounty suites in the box left Mars will take them back Mark? Yeah well I've just been reading that as well and apparently 32% of Brits have been the bounty bars when they're finished with the tub at the end of Christmas. They just don't even eat them. Imagine if they could just bring them round to us. We'd be <laughs> swimming in the thing. Bring them on here. Yeah. So it is the most disliked suite in the box, apparently. Apparently so. And on that basis, Mars is saying that in January, you can swap them. I don't know how they will do that, but you can swap them for what? The most popular, which seems to be the Malteser. Apparently so, yeah. Return them return them, and grab Malteser for a bounty. <laughs> Or old bounty bar. <laughs> What's not to like about chocolate and coconut? All fairness. I love that they call them the runt of the litter. The bounty is the runt <laughs> of the litter. 
Oh my God. Cheers for that, pal. Lines open at 1850, 104, 106. Some more good news, actually. Remember the conversation I had with Jessie? Originally, she sent me an email, came on the air. Somebody paid her 20 euro diesel bill because she was tapped out in more ways than one. Her daughter was in an awful state, vomiting, and she's only 19 months old. So uh, a chap came to her rescue, went in unpaid. Apparently, uh, that's Sean Collins from Carrick Tool. And his man was listening earlier to me, heard us talking about him, got in touch with him, and he joins me by phone. Am I right, Sean? Was it your man got on to you? Yeah, I was just talking to my mother on the phone there, and I was just telling her what happened, and she said they're actually looking for you one way they fit. <laughs> Small world. I, I, I said, I, I just, I'd ring any and just let you know who it was. Poor old Jessie was up to 90 at the petrol pumps on the Bandon Road. She, she was, I tell you, I was passing back there. I was walking the other side of the city yesterday evening, and I was meeting someone in Cork at 6 o'clock. So I was just pulling, and I was going in for a coffee, you know, talking on the phone, and I was just, you know, the way you'd be parked looking. And... I seen her at night, the horse was down the ground, and then I see she was in the back of the car, and it went on for a couple of minutes. I just went over just to make sure she was okay, you know? Yeah, because it did, I mean, if you see somebody and drop the hose on the side of the ground and run to the back of a, yeah, emergency. I, yeah. I, I know there was there was panic, so I went over then straight away, and I just said, look, if you want, I'll fill your car with diesel, and she said, no, I have enough for diesel. Would you mind paying for it? And she gave me her car, and I went in, just tapped out, and I said, look, just put it on my car, that makes no difference. And... <laughs> and you know, I just came, came, went back out and gave her a receipt and gave her the card and, you know, I told her, but she said she'd pay for the revenue. But I don't, the money didn't bother me. Like, I just, once the child was okay, and that's all, you know. Yeah, she was wondering about you. Like, she was wondering, do you have kids yourself that you would do something like yeah, that? I, 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 I have a daughter, yeah, she's six. Like, I'm sure anyone with kids understands things like this happen, like, you know. Absolutely. She wanted to get in touch, not so much just to say thank you, of course to say thank you, but also to give you a gift. But you have a better plan in mind, don't you? No, I, I'd rather if she donated whatever she wants to donate to Mary Mount Hospice and that, that's all. I don't want the money back out of it. It's just okay. a good turn out of me. Like. Yeah, I mean, it would it would take from the good deed. I understand where you're yeah. coming from. No, no, no. I, I want, I don't know a good deed and I want it to stay that way. Like, and my good deed, be, or her good deed will be back to give it to Mary Mount. Well, listen, that's a wonderful gesture on her behalf you and know. a wonderful gesture that started with you and your kindness. So well done on that. Great to hear your mum was no, listening no, and managed to track you down. <laughs> No, no, but I need it. Thanks a million. All, All right. right, Sean. Cheers, pal. Thank Take you. care. All Bye-bye. the best. Sean Collins and Carrie Toole and his mother as well and Jesse for bringing it to our attention because not all of the experiences that people have are positive ones. I have to, you know, we're talking about being rude to retail staff is one thing where companies have to put up signs, particularly in hospitality. But the other point of this earlier this morning was retail staff who are rude to customers. I have someone, I've had someone tell me in a fancy shop once they wouldn't sell me something based on my look says Hannah. When I told them I was buying it for someone else, they told me, get out of the shop as I'm ruining their image because I'm not posh enough to shop there. That was the only bad experience, though. All of the others have been good. I mean, God, that's about as bad an experience as you could ever have in retail. I wonder, are they still in business? Because if they are, they don't deserve to be. As a retail worker myself, if the customers could keep in mind that COVID guidelines are still in place, we would be much happier to deal with them as retail workers. The amount of times every day that we have to ask people to give each other space, to put their masks on properly, to not touch the staff. It's enough to take the smile off even the most positive employee's face, I can tell you. If the customer's experience expect a positive shopping experience, a good start would be to have consideration for their fellow shoppers and the staff working there. Respect should go both ways and manners cost nothing, says Fiona. There's reams of these. Not all the staff in the shops are the same, you know. There are some really nice people in retail, says Mary. Anyone 
can have a rough day, but some just have no manners. I worked in retail myself for years. I had to keep a smile on my face and be pleasant to the customers at all time. It might seem harsh, but that's part of the job. No customers, no job. Retail can be long, hard days, but that's a choice you make. Personally, I love it. So it was never a problem. Funnily enough, though, I do find there is a lack of manners as regards to please and thank you, which doesn't take much of an effort. However, I praise them all for working so hard, especially through the pandemic. I get to more of those texts as well uh, this, time, this side of, of midday. But I just want to mention it's day two of our giveaway for Douglas Village Shopping Centre today. We have gift cards to give away to the value of €200 Euro every day, but not one Two. So we have two winners every day, each winning €200 Euro to be spent at Douglas Village Shopping Centre. Now, they're celebrating their 50th birthday uh, this year. In fact, in two days' time, on the 18th of November. So on Thursday, it will be the 50th anniversary. It opened in 1971. So I've chosen the decade, the 70s, for trivia. All right? And that's what the competition is about. You need to identify the issue, the, the pieces of audio that I'm playing from the 1970s. But what you really have to do is identify the song, identify the film, identify the big event that happened, and then, as it was equally importantly, or maybe even more importantly, the year. Right, So the year, the event, the movie, and the song. Um, now, don't do anything just yet, but these are the four things that you need to pick up on. The song, the movie, the event, and the year. All right, Popeye's here. Get That's your hands on your heads. Get off the barn, get on the wall. Do you That's think that anything is particularly difficult about the, the new event. system? Not for the young, for the old might be, yes. Not too bad. After you bought a few things and got changed. Mama. That's the song. And then you need to identify the year that they came from. All right, something happened there. There was a man, little bit of audio clip talking about buying something. All right, so that should help. Okay, I'll play it one more time between now and midday. Open the phone lines and away we go. All right, text 0868104106 for all other business. Uh, we also have a, a second prize right across the week, which is a 200 euro, uh, 200 euro in cash that can be spent courtesy of Gronenborough Credit Union on the north side. And uh, it's all about knowing your north side, and there'll be a piece of audio that I play this side of midday uh, with a north side connection. Uh, we'll open the phone lines for a 200 euro spend, 200 euro in cash, courtesy of ourselves and Grana Braher Credit Union. So that's all to come this side of midday. Uh, to the phone lines we go. Edward, good morning. Thanks for holding. Good morning. How's it going, Neil? How are you? I'm good. Um, tell me your own situation there now. Do you have, uh, is it you or kids or family members need a test, is I'll it? Tell you, I'll tell you there now, I'm actually after going out for a walk there. It's actually the kid. We have three kids in the house. Um, we have a six-year-old. He just turned six the other day. We have a four-year-old and a three-year-old. They're all little boys. Now, the six-year-old has autism as well. So he was he was basically, he was, he was in school and, you know, just gone to school, whatever, like you do every other day. And we were found that it was a close contact uh, in the school. So we were like, right, um, we keep an eye on it, whatever. And then... And what did the school tell you to do? He had to go home, did he? No, there was nothing at all like that. We were just, we were just told, like, it was actually my partner who kind of, kind of handled everything. So I got all the exact information. But she was told there was a close contact in the school. Um, and basically, um, so just to keep an eye out, whatever. So Harvey then started kind of developing a, a kind of a cough, a very strong kind of horsey kind of dry cough. And um, and after that, I suppose, like like it got heavier and heavier. So we're like, right, we need to get we need to get him tested. Like, yeah. 
So we rang the GP because I suppose it was why since any of us were tested. So like we weren't really sure what to do. So we rang the GP, hoping that the GP could set up the appointment for us. And the GP basically said to just go online and book it that way. So that was all well and good. So my partner went online, um, went to look for the appointment. There was where no Mallow Road was it? Was it Mallow Road? Or I, I, I'm so assuming like that's where we normally go to get it there on Mallow Road there by Blackpool. But we're actually out in Ballyhooley, which is about ten kilometres outside of from my. Um, so we're a bit of a trek away from that, which, look, we don't mind. Um, uh, that's not too bad. But I suppose the issue was when we went online to book the appointments, there was no appointments available no. other than Dunmanway. Yeah, I know. That's um, this, Yeah, I know. You probably weren't listening yesterday. I was dealing with it yesterday. People in the city have been sent to Dunmanway for a test. Nuts, isn't it? I know, but we're, we're like, Neil, the point is, like, we're out in Ballyhooley. Like, I mean, like, we have three small kids. We have to get them all tested. That's a two and a half hour journey there and back for us. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I, and, and God, as I said, like, like our, our kids are at fairly difficult ages. Like as I said, Harvey's autism, and like on the best of days for mommy, it's very tough, especially when I'm working. You know what I mean? Um, so like, like I, I just said, look, I said I'd ring in because oh I, no, it's absolutely not. But what I learned yesterday was they have only so many slots per day, and when they're full, they're full. So that that's the it's reason. Bonkers, like, yeah, yeah. Like we were thinking of the antigen test then as well, but like uh, I mean that that's not. Like I suppose if if I were to if I wanted to get all my three boys back into school tomorrow, those antigen tests are no good. And I like I know all the government are you know we'll reduce the antigen test, but like they're no good. Like it's like it's 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 not a. Why are they no good though? If it, if they test negative, because there's so many false positives coming up. There's a lot of people ta- like I've heard of people taking the tests. Like uh, you can get to five of them for twenty euros, right? And I know a bloke who took five of them, two of them came up positive and three came up negative and then he got the negative test then from the, the, the crowd we say on the old Mallow Road, you know what I mean? So I don't know, like I, I, like I don't think schools will accept antigen tests that you buy in the shop as proof that the child doesn't have COVID. I don't know, I mean, uh, but at least you'd know. Oh, at least we'd know, that's it. Like, so that's like, like she's gone out now today, we're going to have to get those just so we have an idea. But I suppose like the school said, like, like we went to both schools and they basically begged for them not to come back into school um, because there is outbreaks. So, like, the, the, the smaller two lads are in, like, a play school. There was close contacts up there and uh, same in, in the, the older fellas' school, you know what I mean? I know. So but, but, all but, you see, all it, what it really is showing that there's an awful lot of people looking for tests or have been close contacts or have been told or yes, they've been I mean? pinged as a close contact and yeah. and that's where all of the and slots then, have been Neil, taken Neil, up. you have the other side of the coin then, Neil, where that if a child misses, I think it's 20 days of school, that the Tusla comes knocking at the door randomly. Um, and I think we're down to, like, because, like, or, or the only reason our kids are being kept out of school since we'd say school started up again is because, you know, like every other child, they've had, you know, the, the, the colds, the, the runny noses, the Yeah, cops, all, all the other stuff. And the, John, exactly. she and the GP was saying that yesterday. This time of the year also, you have all the runny noses and the coughs yeah. and the sniffles and everything. Exactly, exactly. And now, look, I suppose... And like, a lot of people are looking at the coughs and the sniffles and what have you, and they're booking PCR tests for their kids as exactly. well, Exactly, and I mean, we, like we had to do that as well. You know, when the when the kids first went back to school, like I mean, it, when they do get a test, uh, with PCR test, like that, probably be their third or fourth test since COVID kind of broke out. You know, but really, really, I suppose yeah. my. Yeah, my, my issue is, is that, like, if you log into, like, the school apps and things like that, you know, you can see absences and all that kind of stuff. Like, we're down to, like, six days or seven days, uh, absence days before, like, there's a referral sent to Tusla. And then after that, then you have Tusla 
get randomly knock on the door to make sure the welfare of the child. No, I under I understand. You know, it's necessary. You know, and there's abuse cases out there. Bloody yeah, bloody don't bloody don't don't that. don't worry about that. That's probably not such a bad thing. You can just tell them the reason why, and they'll go off. Happy oh, one hundred ten percent, one hundred ten percent. But like from 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 like other people that I spoke to, like like I, I wouldn't bother me in the slightest. I yeah. mean. I'd invite a social worker and sit down and have a cup of tea. Like, there's nothing going on. And do they automatically call? They do. You get a Tussler call. Yeah, automatic, yeah. yeah. Like, no, it, it could take a week. It could take six weeks. But once you do, once your child misses yeah. 20 days of school, Tussler will randomly knock at the door. They won't so for you now to get a PCR test for your kids, you'd have to take a day off, travel to Dunman Way, two and a half hours each way. It's insane, isn't it? Two, two and a half hours each way, yeah. And I, again, look, I, I suppose, like, we have Harvey. Now, Harvey's after is, is coming leaps and bones since he got his diagnosis uh, a year and a half or so ago, you know, and he's absolutely flying it. But if Harvey has a bad day, which happens, especially when he's kind of got no, when his routine is broken, when, you know, like he's not going to school or when he's stuck at home with his brothers all day or if the weather's bad, you know, he can have, he can, he can, he could be in terrible form. And I mean, a two and a half hour spin for Okay, well, you then should get on to your GP uh, because there would be reason there enough not to be able to do a five hour return trip. If you have a medical condition that means you can't go to a test center, your GP can refer if you refer you for a home test. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, so get back onto your GP and see if that might work. Home tests are only available for those who are most in need of them. Harvey might fit that criteria. Brilliant, brilliant. I'll I'll have to look into that. I suppose I said I'd I'd, I'd send it into yourself anyway because, like, I thought it was madness. You know what I mean? Because, like, it's all well and good having the antigen test, but the the schools don't accept antigen tests, as far as I know, as proof of... And if you went privately, it would cost you a bomb. Do you know what I mean? And, 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 and I'm just trying to keep the ship afloat as it is. Like, you sure, know? I know, I know, I know. Okay, we'll try that and see what happens. But it's an indication of what's to come with regards to people not being able to get PCR tests because they, um, they're completely booked out. Thanks for that, Edward. Take care. Cheers okay, and good sure, luck with please. it. Let me know how you get on with that, incidentally. We'll come back to it then. Text 0868104106. Uh, I'll stay with the phone lines if you like. Dave, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. Were you in the city? Oh, yeah, yeah, Neil, I'm from the city, like, and uh, to, to be honest there, you know, the place needs a lot of bit of painting, like. Like what? All over the city, Neil. Yeah, just, de- paint, like. just, descri- just describe a walkthrough that you had. Yeah, you know, no, like, it's just filthy, like. The buildings, is it? The streets? The litter? The streets, like- the, the litter, the streets. Yeah, yeah. It needs an it needs an awful lot of work like we are going to Kerry there now, like you'll you'll notice straight away how clean and how different it is, you know. Where in Kerry? All over Kerry. All over Kerry, much cleaner like. Yeah. I I hope to be in a little later on this afternoon for a stroll around. What am I expecting to see? A lot of litter on the streets? Um you mean dirty the- streets, drug issues. Going at the weekend you can't go for a stroll, you know, people are drunk and disorderly. Things have to change, like. Uh, you'll see that in Killarney, though, on a weekend, too. You want to go out in Killarney on the weekend, you want to see people drunk hanging out in the streets, partying and acting the maggot. As well. Not quite like as what we see here, you know? Not right. quite like as what we and see And well, has it been a while since you were in the city? Mm, well, in, in and out, like. In and out, you know. But um, it, it just upsets me because, like, I grew up during, you know, the 90s in Cork, like. And uh, the two thousands, and to realise the, the place looks filthy, like really, you know, I, really, I think it looks awful, and like, you know, the councils, like I, I be looking at Kerry County Council there now, and the work they carry out for their local community, and 
and uh, you know the people behind it and everything else. People in Cork have, have more people have more of a voice, you know. I mean, I, I, to, I, I accept what you're saying that you saw, but like, and I know there's an, an amount of construction going on in the city. Down Morrison's Island, there's a big new project going in there in the Old Moors Hotel. I know that there's cranes in, but but. I don't know that the buildings. I mean, areas of like you know, maybe the North Main Street, parts of the North Main Street, perhaps. Oh, a bit, bit of dereliction. Street, no, Doug- streets off Doctor Street, going into the city there, and parts of the south side. And you know, they they could do it like a paint, and I think they could get behind some program where it supports people to put money towards painting their houses because money is not great at the moment. And okay, so could, COVID, you know the, you know the ones that need painting and that you're observing, would there be businesses that are closed down where there's no business being done and they're just left there, is it? A part of that, I'd say. Part of it could be something like that, no. Could be things like that. But there's much more than that. You know, you, I don't know what it is, but some towns and cities... Some towns and cities in Ireland are, are doing great jobs with painting and looking after their areas. Yeah. Why can't we do it, you know? And you say that you've we seen a here? huge change in the last, what, 10, 15 years, is it? Over 20 years, Neil. Really? Over 20 years. I think this place has totally changed. It's unsociable to go into town now during the day. Oh, well, I, yeah, well, we know, yeah, that is true. It's got worse in that regard, all right. But you're talking about... Dirty, poor housing, in need of painting, dereliction, poor, clean up yeah, the, the city. Poor lady, the poor lady that was on there earlier now, she was getting text messages from other people there, you know, giving her nasty replies for where she's living. There's no deed for that kind of stuff. Mm. That woman's entitled to a decent house if she wants to have a decent house, you know. Why should have to? Why should have to put up with such um, comments like those people were making there? Because some of them, some of them are on waiting lists for housing a lot longer than, say, her daughter is, and they feel, oh my God, why is she on the I air know, talking about something per- that I'm? You can't be persecuting someone. You can't be. Per- they have a right to live in a house as anybody else has. You can't be talking like. Well, that. others are upset because, but because she she turned down a property that was offered by the council, and others are saying, "I'm 12 years and I was never offered anything by the council. Never mind, I would never dream of turning anything down if I was." Yeah, it's, it's fair. They're fair comments. They're fair. You know, comments. But at the end of the day, you, you don't know what people's circumstances are, what people are going through. You don't go on the radio for no reason just to talk. You know. These people have issues and they want to go on the radio and say what they have to say. Command yourself, good points. You know, well, mate, and I okay. just think okay. we, need, we do need to paint the streets. We do need to paint the walls. The houses have to be done up. And I think um, it's up to our council to, to, to really push for these things. You know, we should be like Kerry. We should be promoting tourism bringing people in, into the cities, you know. Well, it certainly will help to promote tourism to put the car parks up. The Paul Street car park is going from €2.30 an hour to €2.70. The North Main Street parking is going from one seventy to two thirty, And on-street parking is going from €2.00 to two fifty an hour. Tourists will love that. That's why they're busy. They're so busy down in the council. That's what they're looking at. See, you know. But who'd want to come into the city and pay... Two euro seventy to park for an hour in Paul Street when you can park in Douglas for free. You can park totally. in Maham Point for free. You can park in Bishopstown for free. Ballyvalan for totally. free. Middleton. Totally, totally. I get you. Totally, yeah. Nuts. All right. Yeah. Good stuff, Dave. Good Cheers, my man. Take care. Text 0868104106. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Just on the cost of parking going up, and it's something that just I want you to know about for fear it just slips in unknown. Uh, Billy says, the reason the car park prices are going up, I'd say, he says, is because of the extra security needed because of all of the junkies using them as shooting up spots. A needle was thrown off the roof in Paul Street 
Street last week and nearly hit someone below, says Billy. You're absolutely right. And we had those people on the air on this here programme on uh, on Friday. Uh, it was a chap who was a courier driver and that needle landed on the top of a baby's buggy. But there is absolutely no mention in the reports from the Echo as to the reasons, apart from the fact that they need money. They never said that they're putting it up because of extra security. I don't see anything like that. They're just detailing how they're going to spend all of their budget in the next 12 months. And amongst it is an increase in car parking charges increasing next year for the first time, they say. They're saying, oh, well, we haven't put them up now since 2017. But uh, it's a hefty price to pay, isn't it, for city-owned car parks, 270 an hour for Paul Street, uh, 230 an hour for the North Main Street, and 250 for on-street parking. It certainly isn't saying, come on into the city or welcome. We want you to come in and shop because a couple of hours parking will cost you over a fiver now. Um, mind you, that's just the way it is, I suppose. And we need to try and accentuate the positive, certainly with the lead into Christmas. And then you go in and you're abused by staff. <laughs> At least that's what B was saying. <laughs> Rude staff behind the counter. Danny says, I sympathise with your texter's experience, but to generalise that all Irish retail staff are in a negative life light is simply unfair. If she is treated rudely, she should tell them they're being rude and that she'll spend her money elsewhere. Imagine doing that, actually, telling somebody behind the counter, you're being rude to me, I'm going to spend my money elsewhere. They, they will either look at you, glare at you, sneer at you, or they would inflame the situation even more. Anyway, Danny says, perhaps that will make the person take a look at how they're treating customers. As a customer, people can do and can, can and do walk in and for various reasons take out their moods on retail staff berating them because something they want isn't in or hasn't arrived or whatever the case may be they expect that person to stand there and be berated or spoken to in a condescending manner which I must say a lot of people don't even realise they're doing and then they will storm off and demand to speak to management but what can the staff member do as soon as they would respond all hell would break loose anyway I'll end on this if you're spending money in any shop you are of course entitled to expect a courteous and pleasant service but in order to expect such service the staff you encounter are also entitled to expect exactly the same level of respect so there's that and lots more to besides to be going on with. So we'll come back to that. Morning, please let the drivers in Blackpool, McCurtain Street, Merchants Quay and possibly other areas of the city centre know that there seems to be a major outage of traffic lights at the moment, says Kieran. Yes, there is. Thank you, Kieran. You're one of a few texts asking the question, why are all the traffic lights gone out in the city? I have no idea. I wonder what the consequences of that are. Traffic moving freer? better and flowing more freely or not. Anyway, just bear in mind that there's uh, traffic lights out so you don't want to be hitting anybody, particularly pedestrians or what have you. Proceed with caution. Lines are open at one 106 You can text 86 106 just, just a fast one and I'm going to do some more texts then as well in a couple of competitions. Joanne, good morning. Hi, Neve. Good morning. Just on the yeah. situations that people have to live with and I chatted with Maeve earlier on. Tell us your own predicament. Well, actually, it's my son and his and his okay. wife and children. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, they were living in the same house for the last thirteen years, and um, the heating system basically used to work when it wanted to, and now they might have two rads. Tomorrow they might have one rad. Um, I've got plumbers to work there myself and try and sort it out for them. Um, the first two guys hadn't a clue. They were like, "We just can't figure out what's going on." <coughs> the third guy actually. Did work for Cork County Council when they were refurbishing apartments in the Mayfield area. Yeah. 
And he went up for me and had a look, bled the rags, everything, came back and told me, he said, the problem is the boiler house. There's a common ill boiler house. And does the boiler, does the boiler do a lot of different apartments? There's, I think, I could be wrong now, I think there's about 40 odd houses. In Off the, the one boiler? And it's the one boiler services the whole lot. So he was basically told, you know, he's not allowed to touch it. It's the council's department. No one is allowed to go in and try to fix it for their family and their grandchildren that are freezing up there. Freezing, yeah. So you've got to, yeah, so my, there's my him and there's him and thirty nine other families are frozen because of this boiler. Yeah, not fit for like purpose. some families might be luckier than others. Now they might have four rads working. In order, couple of doors away, there might be two rats. And it could depend as well on, on, on you know, the, the, the boilers will be feeding all of these houses one after the next. So where you are, you could be down at the end and get the worst heat. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what's going on. But they, they just don't care. And my grandson is constantly sick with his throat and all. They, they keep testing him for COVID. And I know myself, it's because of the living conditions he's in. You know? <sighs> that's why you have, just don't care. That's why you have local councillors to... Bang on tables. We've tried everything to get him up. I'm like, my son is quiet, you know, so I'm the one that'll do all the talking there. And when you go in there, do you notice that it's cold and damp? uh, Well, obviously not in the summer. Um, Uh, But yeah, it is. I mean, last week now, the the rat in the kitchen was the only one that was working. So they're constantly buying bags of coal then to try and heat the house. And the council just don't care. They absolutely don't care. They couldn't be bothered to send someone up there. The whole system, we were told, the whole actually the houses need to be knocked because I don't think they're fit to put a dog into, to be All honest. Right. Now, where are exactly are you talking about? Dunard in Mayfield. All right, okay. Lord are of they ben. old? Um, I wouldn't say so. I'd say, what, maybe not even 20 years old. Right. Load of what, they were you going to say? They up, I'd say. You are going to say a load of something? Load of what? I was going to say they were just throwing up, thrown up there, you know, when the Celtic Tiger, they boom, they just built them and left them the way they are. Yeah. This is a disgrace, the way the, the way the people are living out there. And all you have then is big grudgers coming on saying they're entitled to a hut or they, they should be lucky to have a roof over their head. My son worked and paid his rent every week. He's entitled to come in and plan the heating for his children. And this is going on 13 years. Mm, that's a good point, yeah. Well made. Working man, entitled to it. He's paying his way. Absolutely. Paying his entitled rent. to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? But they don't care. And I'm at, I'm, I'm at ringing the night. How many radio stations over the years? And nothing's been done. It's still the same. What councillor did you talk to on it? Didn't even bother. Ah, uh, you have I to wrote, bother. Like, I if wrote you don't... to the environmental department. I wrote to uh, the children's department. Emails. Never heard anything back. Because I, I honestly think that's abusing children. You know, um, you're in the Mayfield area. You'd have half a I'm dozen not, different. He is. Yeah, he is. You'd have half a different dozen, half a dozen different councillors there who could make representations on your behalf for that boiler but system. I, but I still, why should I have to? We've been on to them. We've told them about getting plumbers, our independent plumbers ourselves, and they're not allowed to touch the boiler house. They have their own key, the council, and they they're supposed to sort it out. And does the council plumber ever years. call at all? I think they came out once. I think they came out once. But we were told the whole system needs to be taken out. It needs a whole new... So you, they've got a, all 40 of those families have another winter ahead now with an inadequate heating system. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And no one cares. Right. You know, they'll just spend more and more money on bags of coal to, to heat one room. And the kids are sick constantly because of it. My grandson is sick constantly. He's out of school. 
every second week and all they're doing is testing them for COVID. So when you hear people say, be happy for what you've got, that makes you really, really angry. It, well, it does, you know, because yeah. um, I know I, I'm, I'm, I hate the sense of entitlement in this country, but I truly believe that you are entitled to a home. And more so you're entitled to when you're paying your rent and top rent at that when you're working, that these things should be fixed. Yeah, they are your landlords after all. all I mean, he hasn't done it, and I don't know if anybody else listening in Donard has done it, got on to local councillors to represent on their behalf. Maybe if they're listening, they might get in touch. Um, and if that happens, well and good. But I certainly have no problem in trying to track down one of the councillors in your area and asking them about that a little later on when we get off air, all right? Absolutely, because if it was happening in Rochestown, it would probably be started tomorrow morning. But see, you're looking down on the people in Mayfield, as usual, like, there's none of them work up there according to, you know, the stupid carry on this country with begrudgery. My son works, paid his taxes. No, it's, it's just some, no, it's just sometimes people get kind of angry when they when there are specific calls on the air that say, for instance, they hear of a young girl who's got a child or two children or, or three children. And there's no sight nor sound of the dad. You know, they get angry about that oh, kind of a thing, that. you know, and they're, and they're wondering, that. well, what, what, why have all of these children and where's the father of the children? Why isn't he pulling his weight? And why are the rest of us getting up well, in the morning well, and going out to work? And no, he's wearing his children. I know, and I'm, not talking about, no, I'm, not, I'm not talking about that. You're asking me, why do people get annoyed? I'm trying to give you reasons why sometimes they just get irate. They hear stories. I know, I understand you know, that. You know? But make, or sorry, Nile, it makes no sense where I'm living and I won't say because the person might, you know, be listening. My husband's cousin is living across the road in a three-bedroom, two-bathroom house on his own. Well, that's his on own business. His own. Yeah, all right, that's his own business. And I have no idea. Families out right. there that can't get a house. Okay, well, don't don't be washing your own linen in public anyway, because but I'm not, you know, all right. the man even said it himself. He, he would, said he said he said. It's exasperating. And people listening to that now will freak out. 10 and 12 years on a warehousing list waiting for a three-bedroom house and your man inside and one doesn't want to be there. Yeah. They'll freak. And he's, and he's not the only one. There's another single guy living two right. doors away from him. You have no idea what's going on out there. Nobody does. And then you've cut upwards of 15 of them empty and Madden's buildings and the two terraces. I know. Don't talk yeah, to me. But All no, right. but they let people struggle every week to pay enormous rents. And never have any prospect of moving on. They'll just let them struggle and they don't care. Okay, well, you hang in there because uh, get a local councillor on board on this and I'll come back to you. You can make some points to that person, all right? Okay. I'll try. I'd, you'll be God, more than willing to, you'll be more than capable. You won't have to try. You're well capable of doing it. All right, so we'll pick up on that in the morning and do a bit of homework when we get off the air. Right now, though, um, two happier things. Two winners on the competition every day this week, courtesy of ourselves and Douglas Village Shopping Centre. Two winners, 200 euro gift cards each. Callers 10 and 11 on 1850-104-106. And this has to do with the fact that it's the 50th anniversary of Douglas Village Shopping Centre. Opened in November 1971. And with that in mind, you're hearing this for the third and final time, we need to know the film. We need to know the big event. We need to know the uh, song and the year. It's quite self-explanatory. Just have a listen to these. All right, Popeye's here. Get your hands on your heads. Get off the barn. Get on the wall. Do you think that anything is particularly difficult about the new system? Not for the young. For the old, might be, yes. Not too bad. After you bought a few things and got changed. Mother, mother. All right. The song, the movie, the event 
and the year it all happened. 1-850-104-106. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Two winners every day this week with Douglas Village Shopping Centre. Each wins a €200 Euro gift card to spend in the stores. And that will go a long way this side of Christmas. So what are we doing with this? Orla's in the lock. Orla. Hi, Neil. How you're, are you're, you? you're in the lock. That must be wet and cold, is it? You're first up and then Robert is over in Bandoff. Robert? Alright Neil, how's it going? Alright my man, so you got to work together now guys, right? It's probably fair to say that Orla will keep the 200 euro and you'll give it up to the woman in your life, Robert, is that right? That is correct. That's usually what happens. I'd love to talk to a guy who'd keep a present or a prize or money for himself, but anyway. (laughs) So, um, because you're first, Orla, you answer the first bit, then Robert the second, then you the third, and Robert the fourth. Do you get it? Perfect, yeah. Okay, so you're working with each other. What you're going to hear now is in this order. First, you'll hear the movie, then you'll hear the event, then you'll hear the song, and then I'll want to know the year. Are you clear on that, Robert? Uh, say that again, sorry. Okay, so what's happening here is Orla will start and it'll be every second one, okay? Yeah, so she'll do the movie first, is it? She'll do the movie, you do the event, she'll do the okay. song and you do the year. And if one okay. of you mess it up, you've only yourself to blame because you're messing it up for both of you. So here we go, Orla, you ready? Yeah, ready. All right. All right, Popeye's here. The movie. Get your hand on your head. French Connection. Do you think that anything... Robert, the event. ...about the new system. And it's a change of the old money to the new money. Not too bad. After four or three things, got changed. Orla. Marvin Gaye, what's going on? And for you, Robert, the year. It was 1971. Good <laughs> <laughs> Well done. You're relieved, Orla. He didn't, he didn't mess it up on you. <laughs> I know, and I thought I would. <laughs> 1971, the year Ireland went decimalization. The movie was The French Connection. That was uh, Gene Hackman, wasn't it? Gene Hackman, yeah. yeah. Great yeah, film. And the great Marvin Gaye with What's Going On. Congratulations to both of you. A 200 euro gift card each. So enjoy and congratulations. Perfect. Well done. Great job. Thanks, Neil. Delighted for you. you. Thanks so much. Well done to each other. You helped each other and you made it work. Robert and Orla, 200 euro each. And uh, we'll do it all again tomorrow with two more winners. And right across the weekend on Thursday, it will be the 50th anniversary of Douglas Village Shopping Centre. In fact, 1971 was the year it opened and 1971 was our chosen year we'll have another year from the 70s again tomorrow now while all that's happening as well before I love you and leave you for the day that's in it we'll do a few texts before we finish but Gronenbrough Credit Union are on board right across this week we've got 5,000 euro to be won across the station this week and next week so if you think you know your north side you could win 200 euro in cash and then be in with the chance of winning 3,000 Euro cash. All right, it's quite simple. We've got all sorts of different clues every day, and you certainly will be winning 200 euro cash. And then in the final to run, in the final to win an additional 3,000 euro in cash. So if you really know your north side, you should have no problem of identifying this tiny piece of audio. I think it's possibly fair to say it's female. More than that, can I tell you? Who knows? Short and sweet. Who knows? Know your north side on Cork's Red FM. With Groner Broher Credit Union. This is your cue to call 1850 104 106. 
So get dialing now, 1850 104 106. There's 200 bucks in it and a chance of winning three grand, courtesy of ourselves and Grana Braher Credit Union. Our conversation yesterday with Claire on her behalf and on behalf of her son, Shane, who was assaulted by three so called friends and they got. Uh, suspended sentences for it. Um, interesting text on that. It's appalling to think people bring a case to this level and have to walk away with no justice. It's heartbreaking as a parent. If I was that mother, I'd be looking to appeal the sentence. Lisa says, our judicial system is not fit for purpose. My heartfelt thoughts are with Shane and his family. Justice definitely was not done. Another one, all I can say is the whole court system is 10 years behind the rest of the world. It is the same when it comes to family court. But I wonder who the winners are here. The solicitors? The barristers? The judges in this country are a joke? Fair play to Shane and his family. I hope they heal and get this horrific part of Shane's life behind them. Shane, don't let this define you. You make it a point to be there to help other young lads who'll be looking at this situation. Be an advocate for them going forward. Nothing but love or respect for you and your family. Grace says, that's the most disturbing story I've heard in a long, long time. The court system's a joke. It needs to be reviewed. It's outdated, like everything else in this country. It does not protect people. And Linda says, finally, I don't know whether to laugh, cry or get sick after listening to that poor lady. Oh my God, I have two sons myself and I worry every time they go out. But I couldn't imagine anything like this happening to them. This was a terrible, disgusting act of sick violence. And they pass it off as a prank? That was not a prank. They could have choked him to death as well. Um, my thoughts and prayers with the poor boy and his family. I'm very upset after hearing this, says Linda. I will do justice to all of the texts on tomorrow's program because there are more. But of course, it did involve Shane and three of his so-called friends on a leaving certain night out and a beer bottle uh, between his legs. So we will come back to that and lots more besides in the morning. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.